Welcome to Kitchfork, an anti-nostalgic podcast about the indie music of the aughts and growing up as a child of the internet. Also the website Pitchfork Media. I am one of your hosts, Liz Ryerson. I am your other host, Max Cohen. And today we're venturing into the genre of hip-hop to talk about uh, Black Alicious's 2002 album, blazing arrow which of course turned 20 this year as is, uh, as have most of the albums that yeah. we've talked about this as, as how time works most of these 2002 albums are turning 22 um making me feel absolutely ancient every day oh yes well, we just we just have to accept it though that I is kind of what the podcast is about is exploring uh <laughs> our age <laughs> this is our midlife crisis this is our midlife yeah, crisis podcast form. <laughs> um but yeah the, i'd say this album has aged interestingly um unfortunately uh the lead man from blackalicious the gift of gab died last year yeah um, he had uh kidney problems he, he got uh, a new kidney but then he died supposedly of natural causes i presume it was related to his like ongoing health issues right um so it's very unfortunate because i think that um i don't know like anyway we can talk about do you want to talk about it's a a background it's a bummer because gift of gab is like one of the like most truly gifted rappers ever um yes his name does not lie it, it really doesn't it's one of the very few like names that is like a brag that is also completely accurate um I I should say I I feel a little trepidatious not only with this episode not only because we're talking about someone who's recently deceased but also I am not an expert on hip hop I will try my best I I did I do actually have some background with this album mm-hmm. but yeah I'm I'm basically going to do my best to summarize other people's observations and arguments here yeah and and I mean like upfront. Just to put it on the table, we are two white nerds talking about the artist Blackalicious. Um, <laughs> and while I, I love hip hop quite a bit, I would never proclaim to be like a huge expert or like a Fantano like level uh, nerdery on the subject. But this, I will say, like Blackalicious is of one of the eras of hip hop I am like the biggest fan of. Um, which is mm-hmm. both artistically interesting and problematic for reasons we'll get into later. Um, but yeah, to get into background, so like, yeah, what is your background uh, with this album and Blackalicious in general? Yeah, so like you know, I was a I was a little white kid in Texas, so like, hip hop wasn't a big part of my life, but I did really love Tribe and I really loved Eminem, and that was like when I was like ten, eleven, twelve. Those are my like. The, the rappers I listened to. And then when I started buying music magazines was in like the early aughts. And that's when I first started seeing like reviews of these rappers I never hear on the radio. So like, um, you know, not on the like main mainstream radio, obviously they'd be on like the rap and R&B stations, but like, you know, you I, I wouldn't see like the roots, hear the roots or common or, um, you know, Blacklicious, for that matter, even though they were big on on other stations. Um, But I think it was 
it might have even been it's hard so this is an era too where like i bought albums based on reviews and i couldn't tell you which review it was it was either blender or pitchfork pitchfork did give this album a very uh, positive review by the way oh yeah and it's like it's a very you know, I'm not going to say it's like the best written review, but I, it's it's descriptive enough of like the joy of the album that like it got me interested. Um, and I think this was like, I might be, this is, you know, again, I'm old, I'm getting years confused. This might have been around the same time that like, you know, Filter did a big like uh, big feature on Anticon. And so I was like, and then and like Atmosphere is getting written up and like, Indie Max, I was like, okay, indie hip hop's a thing. I want to get into this. And uh, Black Alicious, because it was quote unquote hip, but still like, you know, was played on the radio a certain amount, was the easiest album to find. Um, and so I bought it pretty early. Uh, I think maybe in like 2003 or 2004, you know, not the year it came out because things were slower back then. Um, and just just fell in love with it. You know, we can talk about it later, but there's a lot about like the spirit of Blackalicious that feels like akin to uh, like the Native Tongues Collective and like the era of Tribe and De La, where it's like, you know, the production is very inventive and fun and sort of progressive uh, in nature. And like lyrically, it's about normal shit, <laughs> you know? Like normal shit, sometimes nerd shit. Yeah. It's just about like, life and like mundane things which was not you know in the era of crunk rap which is also what the odds is known for is not what it's known is not like was not normal at the time um yeah i think i think it's pretty fair to say that a split developed with like a lot of between a lot of like underground indie hip hop and the mainstream um in the late 90s early 2000s yeah around especially. like the neo soul and like backpack era you could see that happening and it really got again like really experimental into the early aughts you know i think you know there are people who would argue that like 2002 2003 2004 is one of like the golden eras of hip hop um i talk about it with my friend Shawnee all the time that cuz that's kind of when when we grew up with it um, so I, this was like an early hip hop album for me. And it's so, because it was early, it's the kind of hip hop album where you just, I would sit down and I would like have the, you know, read the lyrics and I would just like listen to it over and over again. So there is a degree when we talk about this, like critically that I'm coming from a place of much like with the Interpol episode, I'm coming from a place was like, I'm so in love with this album as a kid that it's hard to, uh, separate that from the way I'm experiencing it now. Uh, that's so interesting <laughs> i just i just did not know that you had the background with this because i suggested this episode because um i had uh gotten a track uh a, a friend uh, back in the you know back on the oc remix forums right uh through via aim you know would send me tracks and sent me black alicious um i think deception the track off of Nia, their first album. Mm -hmm. And I really liked that. Um, and then he also sent me uh, First in Flight with uh, Gil Scott Heron. And I, I didn't like that track as much, but I think because I liked uh, Deception, he sent me the whole album of Nia. And I listened to a little bit, but I didn't listen to it as much as... It was one of those things that I just never got to. 
Um, and it's funny because it's like that isn't much of a background, but um, I didn't think about Black Alicious. I didn't hear anything about them like for years and years and years until I came back and I was like, what was the deal with this group? And I, <laughs> I like looked up this album again and I was like, Hey, I like some of this stuff. Oh yeah. I mean, there's, and, there's a lot of albums of the era that like I have, a, that I was really into and I haven't thought about like cannibal ox or cloud dead in years, but you know, cause they, they, they didn't stick around in the same way as like MF doom did. Well, yeah, but I think that's why it makes it perfect fodder for this podcast, yeah. actually. Like, much much more so than us, like, talking about Kanye West or someone like that. Right. Or Jay-Z, you know. Um, so, I, I think it's actually, you know, it's actually great fodder for this. But it did, it did like, it was, I sort of think of Black Alicious in the same realm as, like, the same... Or one other person that I know from that community also sent me like a couple bus driver tracks, sure, um, yeah. and one of his big albums came out in two thousand two also, um, and uh, also sent me the streets, the UK. Ah, uh, yes, the streets. So yeah, I think it was just like I, I think I think it had appealed to a certain type. Of, I think this this like genre appealed to like a similar type of person that like some of the weirder indie rock or like uh actually idm music like appealed to oh for sure i mean it's it's worth noting like one of the other reasons this is good for pitchfork is like this is the era of hip hop hip hop that pitchfork extensively covered you know you wouldn't necessarily get a review of a jay-z or a little wayne album at least not until later but you would get a review of a y album or an odd nasdem album or cloud dead or this yeah, and that's why I find that stuff a little more interesting to talk about. Plus, you know, our podcast is, I say indie music. Obviously, that's a loose term because Tori Amos is not indie music. <laughs> but, but like, you know, like, it, it's it's consistent with the focus of our podcast. Uh, so, which I, you know, which I think is good. I think it's, I think it's more fun to talk about an artist like this than it is, uh, to talk about artists that are much more extensively covered, basically. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and this is very much of the era in the same way as the shins are of the era, you know, like it, it fits in our in our milieu. Absolutely. So, yeah, um, Black Alicious is Gift of Gab, uh, R.I.P. Mm -hmm. um, and Chief XL, uh, two guys who met at high school. Uh, in Sacramento, California, Sacramento, the home of another very famous uh, <laughs> hip hop group from the 2010s. Right. That um, I'll I'll, le I'll let you guess who that is, who I'm referring to. <laughs> um, but uh, they uh, so they met in high school. Uh, Gift of Gab is actually from a town called uh, Pacoima, California, which is like uh, the San Fernando Valley. And he had a rough childhood. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm actually getting info from this from the song Purest Love because mm -hmm. it is his like bio, basically. Right, yeah, the biopic song. Um, but yeah, his, his, his dad and mom split and then his dad and mom both died uh, when he was a teen and he ended up living with his uh, brothers and sisters. And I think that's why he ended up moving to um, Sacramento. And then... Uh, both um 
Gift of Gab and Chief XL went to um, UC Davis, which I have plenty of friends who went. I used to live in the Bay Area, so oh. it was nice to hear. About. <laughs> I did not yeah. know that. Yeah. Um, and at least one or two of my friends went to UC Davis. And I know people who teach there, actually, because they have a games program there. But, um, yeah, they met uh, They met again at UC Davis as part of this, uh, this group called the Soul Sides Collective, which featured a lot of people who would be just influential in the realm of hip-hop. I mean, most notably, DJ Shadow, um, you know, probably released the most, like, critically acclaimed... Uh, work from that uh, from that group, but also like uh, apparently, and one Soul Sides member was this person Jeff Chang, who wrote the definitive hip- 2005 hip hop history. Can't stop, won't stop, according to <laughs> this Stereo Gum re- uh, review that I'm reading. Um, an- another one, just uh, another guy, Joseph Patel, aka Jazzbo, just won an Oscar. It's one of the producers on the Questlove documentary, Summer of Soul. So. Not only are these people who are, uh, you know, rappers, MCs, and producers, but people who have been involved with aspects of the industry. Uh, but yeah, so at UC Davis, Soul Sides got some attention, especially when like introducing the DJ Shadow came album came out, mm-hmm. which that album is like one of the most critically acclaimed albums of the '90s. It's good. It's a good album. Yeah, you'd see it on like every list. Um, I always assumed DJ Shadow was from the UK because I, I think it's like around the time of like a lot of UK artists making, I don't know, music in a similar-ish genre. But um, but yeah, eventually they kind of, uh, I think after they left UC Davis, they, um, they disbanded Soul Sides and it ended up becoming a project called Quantum Projects, mm-hmm. um, which is the label that released eventually um black Alicious's first ep and um and first album nia um and also put out a compilation called uh quantum spectrum which features uh it features lp on it from run the jewels eventually you know in the future and Uh, and divine styler who is very close to my heart <laughs> oh, interesting. Members of Jurassic Five, which if you were around during that era, you definitely had heard you you would have yes. heard the name Jurassic Five. Absolutely. Um and of course Black Alicious. Uh so that got some attention and buzz, but what really got them buzz, they had like an early version of kind of a viral hit, but it was like word of mouth viral. I mean, it kind of makes me think of I, I guess this is just like you know, y- your friends send you like a track. They send you "Come to Daddy" or whatever. Right. They sent you, you know, like some Aphex Twin track like that, and be like, "Hey, check this out." It was kind of a similar thing yeah. with um, on their A2G EP, their first EP. Uh, they had this song called "Alphabet Aerobics," mm-hmm. um, which is a pure gimmick track. Um, it's just gift of gab rapping, you know, beginning with each letter of the alphabet, and it gets faster as it goes on. Um, it's still their most famous song, partly because Daniel Radcliffe performed it on the Jimmy Fallon show in 2014. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. Nap, no one, I'm nice naturally. Nap, never nap, make noise nationally. Operation, opposition, off, not optional. Out of sight, out of mind, wide beam and opticals. Perfected poem, powerful punchlines, pummeling, petty powder puffs in my prime. Quite quick quotes, keep quiet, it's quantum. Coral isn't got a quarter, what do we gotta? Really raw raps. 
rising up rapidly, riding the Russian radioactivity. Super scientific, old sound source thought. Silencing, super fly, saps out of soft. Tails ten time talented, too tough. Take that, challengers, get a tune up. Universal, unique, untouched. Unadulterated, the raw, uncut. Fur vice boards, victorious, valid. Violate vines out of vein, make him vanish. Well, my word with a wise voice, mix just weeded up words. We've been up, I'm a workshop. Xerox, max radiation, old sexual arch, X height letters, six telephone tones. Yellow back, yak mouth, young ones, yours. Yesterday, songs, all cells are yawns. Zigzag zombies, zooming to the zenith. Zero and sense, thoughts over zealous rhymes. Uh, I didn't see it at the time. I saw it. I've, I've, I've seen it recently when I was doing research. Uh, pretty cool. I would have been more impressed by chemical calisthenics. Um, yeah, yeah, true. But I will say, uh, Daniel Radcliffe manages to not embarrass himself. No, which it's is true, and it's a it's feat a, in itself. It's a hard like I, I, I could never, and I've never seen anybody rap along to a Blackalicious song because it's very uh, tongue. He's a very tongue twisty rapper, and he his flow is very like metrically. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Metrically, like naughty, like K N O T naughty. Um, mm. So Filled it's really it's knots. yeah, it's really easy to trip on yourself. But yeah, it it makes me think of like I think this like I think the it appealed to the same people like the same kinds of people that like my friend sent or another friend sent me this track. Um, what is it called? Uh, Imaginary Places by Bus Driver. And it has a similar thing of like hyper fast deliver- delivery. That's oh, kind yeah. of like this, the gimmick of that song. This is also the era of like Twista, right? Like there is there is a certain like thing for um, uh, stunt rapping, you know? Yeah. And uh, this is like an early version of a viral hit in that people, you know, are sending sending the mp3s to each other through uh either through file sharing or you know through like uh you know aim chat or irc or whatever uh, um but it, it it makes me think there's a kind of like a nerd undercurrent to it i think because a lot of this stuff was very much like a lot of this like underground rap had kind of a nerdy component to it and it also like um i mean chemical calisthenics actually a perfect example yeah, of that it's um <laughs> But it, it also, like, uh, kind of appealed, it, it, it filled a hole that, like, you know, mainstream music was, that's, this is not something that mainstream music was going to be doing, basically. No, um, I mean, it's, it's where I feel like most of the experimental music at the time was happening, you know, outside of, like, kind of, like, noise and no-wave collectives at the time. Um, or electronic artists, a lot of it was happening in indie hip hop where you'd get shit like um, Dalek or, or Prefuse 73, you know, doing like uh, really kind of like sonically pushing at the idea of songs um, in ways that like indie rock wasn't really doing anymore. Yeah, that's true. Although, I mean, you did have some big, you know, you had like the Soft Bulletin and Olivia Tremor Control and some like very ambitious artists in one way ambitious but, but i don't know if i'd well i'd call olivia trimmer control experimental but i don't know if i'd call soft bulletin experimental per se it's it's different anyway. it's different <laughs> I, i'll give you that <laughs> um but yeah I, I i think like indie music being a sort of a vessel for art music in particular in that era uh very was a very strong thing I, it's funny you mentioned prefu 73 because that's another uh, that's another artist that i remember one of the somebody from that community sending me so. it, it's all it was all a, a scene you know like 
it was absolutely a scene and a movement at the time of like, you know, you would hear everybody like people would talk about Jean Grey and Ace of Rock and MF2 and Prefuse 73 and Cloud Dead all in the same breath. Like, and, and as much of a way as like indie rock seemed like it was a specific kind of scene, um, indie hip hop or, you know, whatever you want to call it at the time had a similar vibe to it. And it was, it was really cool. Like, because it was doing things that it feels in a way, almost like what the eighties was to like college and alternative rock and that mm -hmm. it, it felt like it was really taking a lot, like the elements, the accessible elements of mainstream hip hop and really starting to like experiment and like push it out and do weird arty things with it. Not like, which isn't to say that arty hip hop never existed before, but this is when it started to really seem like an exploding scene. Yeah. Well, and it's something distinct from like, like Tribe Called Quest or De La Soul were like kind of still part of the mainstream right. ecosystem. Exactly. And this is like it, sort of fracturing into different <laughs> camps like like hip-hop in general yeah you wouldn't hear cannibal um, ox on the on the radio yeah it's not radio <laughs> music mm -hmm. um i think it i think it works also because i i think like with a broken social scene or any of these artists um nia actually wasn't available in the u.s for a while like after it came out yeah this is the first time um, i heard nia was researching for this episode <laughs> And and yeah, and it, uh, it was actually first available in the UK, and then Quantum Projects released in the two thousand in year the year two thousand. Uh, but apparently, it sold like two hundred thousand copies, so a lot. Um, Which is saying something because it, it cannot be understated how expensive CDs were at the time, and especially import CDs would be like forty yeah. or fifty bucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'd imagine that some of that came from their, you know semi-viral success people spreading them on file sharing like because this is the type of music that that people in online communities who are nerds are spreading to each other and in, in uh you know online communities so uh because of the uh nia's success um black Alicious, actually with the aid of uh quest love from the roots um who plays drums in the jimmy fallon <laughs> daniel radcliffe uh Thing, and plays drums on the album. He, uh, yeah, he's on one yeah, of the tracks. He, he's on one of the tracks. Yeah, um, he apparently advocated for MCA Records to uh, sign. So they got on a major label. That was a big deal, um, and they got a bigger budget to make uh, this next album, which eventually was released in 2002, um, Blazing Arrow, and it was definitely critically acclaimed, but. It seems like not as commercially successful because that was kind of their shot, and I don't. I still their most like they were uh, Black Alicious released a few albums after, but I don't think it. I think one of them was on Anti. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. Label. Yeah. But but I don't think I think that was their their one big shot at like you know a more mainstream There's, success. Yeah, their major label debut, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and it's still their most, you know, well-regarded album. Um, so, I don't know. It's, uh, but yeah, that's the background for uh, for this album. And Pitchfork uh, <laughs> gave it a nine point three in a review by Chris Dolan. I guess we could save that. We do you want to read bits of that now, or we can yeah, save that? No, till we, the can, end? we can. I mean, 
it'll it's a good way to start talking about the way the album works and sounds. Okay. So this is from Chris Dolan, whose name has been taken off of the review. Like most of these old uh, Pitchfork reviews that are still up, they don't have the name of the author on them, which is disgraceful. Fucked. Yeah, fuck <laughs> in, in my mind. <laughs> um, presumably because the person doesn't write for them anymore, but still, it's it's fucked. Um, okay, so they yeah they gave it a nine point three. This was reviewed on May 29th, 2002. This is one of those classic summer albums that crams in so much sound and so much life that listening to it is like going to a block party. All day concert and a family reunion at the same time. Classic pitchfork type cliche there. Um, They're not wrong though. (laughs) Yeah, but it's like... But it's cheesy, but they're not wrong. Blazing Arrow is the major label debut of underground hip-hop act Blackalicious. And if it sounds like they had more money to work with than ever before, at least they spent it well. Yeah, it definitely is a more expensive-sounding record. Mm-hmm. Um, the layered production, the mess of styles, and the three-ring circus of guest stars turn this into a breakthrough record. But what makes it a masterpiece is that Gift of Gab and Chief XL can hold it together with the directness of their vision of strength and hope. This is unstoppably joy, joyous, a complicated album that feels na- as natural as sunshine on your forehead. Yeah. Um, you know, um, it's a pretty, you know, it's, it's pretty dry, which is weird for this era of Pitchfork, but it's also, um, again, fairly accurate to the sound of the album. <laughs> yeah, I, they, they have the, like, dumb... Uh, imagery like oh is natural sunshine on you right that's so common in pitchfork reviews of this era but um this was pre uh them having best new music and i think if it was considered a best new music it might have you know if it came out a year later it might have gotten a little bit more attention well if, if pitchfork was bigger as big as it is now yeah or even as big as it was a couple years right. after that um, w- what I find interesting about this album is it was very highly reviewed, but then on their top 50 albums of 2002, they put it at like number 46. Yeah. I, I think that sort of shows that like, while Pitchfork would dabble in hip hop, it did not consider it in the same way as it does other genres, at least at the time. Well, the, the interesting thing I think about it too, is that Pitchfork would do this thing of like, you know, there are certain albums where they re- review kind of mediocrely and then, like, immediately try to rewrite their own history and correct the record and, like, put them on, uh, you know, like, way higher on the list than they were before. I mean, the, the like, um, what is that Daft Punk record, Discovery? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I think originally got, like, a five, but then when they did their best albums of the 2000s, uh, it was like number five or something like they just completely uh, kind of went back on their whole history. But this is kind of a weird example of the opposite happening where you think it would be higher up, but they just kind of threw it at the back of the list. Probably I'm imagining because maybe only one or two people who work there was excited about it. Yeah, but. which which again, I think, I mean, Dalek's at the bottom of the list too, which like Dalek's one of the greatest albums ever made, that, that album. <laughs> and is prescient in a way that uh 
they probably didn't know it. They obviously didn't know at the time. But, you know, like, I think it speaks to a certain, it tends to be the genres they don't care a huge amount that would rank low on those lists. Yeah, well, but then, you know, by the end of the 2000s, they were putting Jay-Z albums all over the top, you know. Oh, yeah, it got better, but, yeah, but this is the Um, beginning of that. But yeah, oh, I I like uh, at the uh, the beginning of this top fifty albums of two thousand two. It says, uh, "Last year we bullshitted you guys. There's no such thing as a bad year for music. It was just rhetoric that frankly betrayed our optimism. The more we look back on it, two thousand one sucked." <laughs> I I don't think I agree. <laughs> what came out in two thousand one? Vespertine. Oh, then yeah, great. But one of the best, uh, one of the best years in music. Uh, Amnesiac, uh, The Glow Part Two. <laughs> Yeah, what the fuck? That's a great year. Uh, yeah, I th- I think it's like it's like looking back on, um, you know, if you like find old message board posts for like classic Simpsons episodes, mm-hmm. you know, like in the midst of like what we think of as the golden age, uh, like all the reviews are like, oh, this show has really gone downhill. This episode sucks. Yeah, I mean, yeah, people <laughs> will always find something. God damn, you also yeah, moldy peaches. Uh, fucking photo album. There's a lot of great, a lot of great albums in 2001. Yeah. What are they all about? I mean, uh, who knows? But anyway, uh, yeah. Do you want to, do you want to go song by song? I'm, I'm frankly going to be exhausted because like, cause I, I have, I don't know if I said this before, but I'm exhausted with this album because a lot of albums of that era were like so long. trying to fill up the entire CD and so long and filled with skits and stuff. And it's just like, it's too, I want to cut 20 minutes off this fucking album. So <laughs> I really do. I would say, I think this album fills its length a lot better than others because it's not filled with skits. Uh, yeah, a, I mean, there's some a lot of the pseudo skits, there's some but they're pseudo like skits, musical. But it's not like you know, um, and I and I feel like a lot of the songs, even the longer songs, are kind of progressive in that it's not just verse hook verse hook for six minutes. It'll be verse hook verse hook for three minutes. It'll move into a different section with a different kind of hook. It'll end in a sample or a kind of interlude. Like it's interesting to do this album after Geo Gaddy, which also flows with a lot of like interludes between songs in such a way that the distinction between songs feels fuzzy i think this album has Mm. sort of a similar thing except a lot of the hooks are fairly distinct i think uh geo gaddy has much better sequencing than this album i i guess my problem with this album is i like the second half significantly better than the first half of the album i do too i think i think that's absolutely true um and i think that is i i can see that being wearing you know i've come to like uh first in flight more um but i don't think sky is falling i mean we'll get there so i i looked up uh you know as i was listening to this album and doing research i also looked up um one a few listened to a few songs from nia and and one called shallow days came up and i think that track like perfectly captures what is good about Black Alicious, but also like if you are the type of person to be annoyed by these verses, uh, you would not like it because it is like uh, it has this very nice groove. It has this very nice like flanged guitar. Um, you know, it's it's really nice sounding, honestly. But a lot of the verses are you know what someone would could consider preachy, especially in like if you listen to like 
you know, the sensibilities have changed. So someone right. decrying gangster rap and, and all that kind of stuff in a very explicit and sincere and kind of, you know, maybe preachy way uh, might put some people off. And, and there's definitely some of that on this album. Although, um, you know, it's mixed in with other things, too. There's definitely a lot of variety. But I'd say that that song, like, perfectly captures what someone, you know, the good and what, you know, you might not like about uh, this type of music if you're, like, a fan of a lot of more contemporary hip-hop and you come back to it. It's kind of interesting how it's aged. You know, we were talking about Native Tongues earlier, and, you know, you'd have bands like Arrested Development who are also, like, anti-gangster rap but blazing arrow is coming at it like reacting to it in retrospect in sort of a way not in retrospect it was still happening but like you know it it feels when blazing arrow does it even though it is preacher it's it feels more like you know johnny rotten wearing a, a fuck pink floyd shirt <laughs> you know like it feels like yeah i mean reacting against it's different what is mainstream at the time rather than reacting against what is violent at the time yeah, it's different from something like Arrested Development is a classic case of a group that has been kind of uh, forgotten to history, but they were like incredibly critically acclaimed. Won a Grammy. And it's this, yeah, won a Grammy, uh, but they deliberately antagonized like, uh, you know, a lot of the and le- gangster And rap. lyrically they were so, like, if you listen to something like preachy to the point of being like weirdly conservative, conservative and like condescending, like something like Mr. Wendell or they were like, they had like anti-abortion songs. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so I, I think that like, you know, left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. But the thing is like a group like, well, and I think that this idea of respectability versus, you know, whatever else it's a, it's a debate that is like eternal really. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, I, I think the dynamics are different coming from these underground artists. Obviously, like, um, it's, uh, you know, like, they're part of, Black Alicious was part of a collective. They're working with a bunch of other artists. And to be honest, like, everything that I've read about Gift of Gab, like, it, and, and I know, you know, people say nice things about everyone when they die, but everything I've read about him just indicates that he was the nicest, uh, sweetest person. And, I don't get anything that is uh, contrary to that sense, you know. No, from... I mean, his lyrics mostly seem very chill and like the, there aren't many message songs on here at all. Like a lot of these are just like one, like a lot of the, the songs feel like pretty evenly divided between like talking about pretty mundane concerns and just kind of <laughs> whatever kind of wild sounds I can make with my mouth. Yeah, there are some message points on this album, though. Are, I just wanted sure. to me- mention that because that is something that I think it might <laughs> might read differently to like contemporary ears than, you know, <laughs> as somebody who didn't like mainstream music in the 2000s, me hearing that kind of stuff is like, well, great. Because, you know, like the thing is, like I, I grew up in a fairly rural area, right? And it was like almost you know it it was like 95% white but like hip hop music was very popular oh, yeah. among it's yeah it's weird and how it was like hip hop was with like racist rural white people yeah and i think it is like and it was the more like you know heavy misogynistic stuff and i didn't like eminem when i was young i it seems like everyone that i know was a big fan of eminem yeah, but yeah it's I, a big regret but i absolutely <laughs> i i loved eminem when i was a kid 
I feel like uh, I have a friend who is uh, on social media who is like the Eminem expert. I feel like we should have her on some. The thing, to talk God, about. the thing about Eminem though too is like it's not like we didn't know he was like the politics were awful either. Like I remember I had Marshall Mathers LP and I played it uh, in the car when I was riding with my sister and my sister was gay and she was like, why are you listening to this? This is really homophobic. <laughs> and like, it's like, no, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. You know? To be honest, like I, I lumped in, I lumped in all that stuff with new metal too, like with Limp Biscuit and all that other stuff. So, so, so a group like this that just reads completely different that, re- you know, that reads more similar to like the kind of like indie music that I was listening to, I'm of course, immediately going to be more into that. So, um, but you know, the, some of the lyrics might read a little differently to someone now, For sure. you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, do you want to start with the, the first track? The first track or the intro? <laughs> the intro whatever <laughs> well i mean this is a, this was a thing i think with a lot of hip-hop albums especially like vaguely conceptual ones where it starts introduce with introducing the gimmick right so this is interesting inter, uh, introducing the blazing arrow sample that's going to be throughout the whole album yeah just the arrow, arrow. You know. yeah it's like I think of it as being like in the old like superhero cartoons where they go. <laughs> it's like it's like the oh, that, the album's version of that. But it, it speaks back to like when De La Soul would be like, "Oh, this is De La Radio, and this is the whole album. We'll have these little interludes." You know, like um, it's definitely like of that ilk. And it's here's the thing. So I agree with you that I think the latter half of the album is a lot better than the beginning. But I do like these first two tracks a lot. Um, I I would say I like the first few, and then it starts to fall off at the. But um, but yeah. But I think Bowed Fire is like a good group. I mean, it's a pretty simple introduction. Yeah. It just talks about. I mean, uh, we're not going to go over all the, all the lines because this is filled with. I don't know. Like this is a uh, novel linked album. Yeah, I think the dis- it's it's seventy four minutes long, and we have Gift of Gav who delivers things very fast and rapid fire. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a, a distinction, like we said before, with like a lot of underground uh hip hop versus other stuff was it being way more wordy and dense and you know filled with uh all kinds of complex twisty you know wordplay again it's sort of um, like an antithetical response to crunk rap which was monosyllabic and and fairly simple yeah so i don't know he's just talking about he has his arrow in the darkness pretty simple image i mean you can get it from listening to it it's maybe the simplest um, song on the album like it's mostly hook yeah and a lot of the the grooves on this are very 70s very you know it's it's kind of contemporaneous to the neo soul thing you're talking about with like um the roots and common and artists like that 
Yeah. Um, and so there's definitely a lot of aspects of that to the this album. Although, like, a lot of the stuff um, I found, you know, I looked at... Because I did so much work looking at who sampled what in the... Uh, or the samples in the Boards of Canada episode, I figured I might as well do some with this. Mm-hmm. But And there's definitely some samples, and a lot of it is, like, 70s stuff, like you would expect, because that's kind of the well that so much uh, hip-hop music draws upon. Um there is a lot of stuff that is just, you know, they had the budget to yeah, exactly. have actual instruments and, and performers and a lot of people come in on this album. Which is and which is really cool. And I think is one of the ways I keep comparing them to De La Soul because they, they lyrically uh, and emotionally have a similar vibe, but sonically they're very different. And I think that's one of the reasons why is like rather than being extremely sample delicate, like it's very like it's coming more from that neo soul roots idea of having actual musicians on the songs mm-hmm. um, um so the next track but the, I, is the title track i love the title track i think this is my favorite great track my favorite sample one of my favorite samples on the album because i like harry nelson uh, <laughs> oh i love that song that specific song me and my arrow it's, from the movie the point yes it's so good. such a good song it's such a good sample like this is when i when i looked back at this album i looked up this track and i've just listened to this one track over and over and over again it's a really good like essentially opening track like it it sets you up for like the album's high points fairly well it also has the the water sample is also from the point it's uh think about your troubles yeah <laughs> uh, from that song so um any like phrases that stick out? I'm so bad at like. I mean, you know, he keeps rhyming arrow really well in that first verse. You know, going into De Janeiro, Camaro, etc. You know, this is one of those songs that's like it's not really about anything. It's more about being kind of chill and vibing. Uh, but I like we roll. I like we roll with Navajos with double barrels. That's a good line. It, yeah, I think um, a lot of times with Gift of Gab, you can. It feels like the words are going in there as much because he likes the sound of them as much as like any meeting they could have. Um, but there are some pretty good like punchlines and couplets here. Uh, I like the way that the the way that he says "amazing phase your days, your hazy ways, my blazing arrow." Yeah, it's like a bizarre mouthful. He's like um, he's really good at those internal rhymes. I guess you could criticize him as you know fitting the the trope of the lyrical miracle. You've heard that? Have you heard this yes. term before? Yes, yeah. Of someone, uh, Urban Dictionary describes it as a rapper who is too abstract, often tries to fit too many words in a line, uh, rhythm struggles, freestyles too much. The thing is, like, he doesn't struggle no. to fit the, 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 the words in the line. I mean, if if there's a case for um, 
somebody who does this exact kind of thing extremely well it's this guy yeah you know absolutely uh but it is his thing like that there's no denying that for for sure and this is maybe one of the the strong the bigger songs for that because it's like you know he's riffing on rhyming with on on getting that arrow hook in <laughs> uh, i knock your whole toboggan for a loop yeah it's, <laughs> i just like the word toboggan it's just it's just fun it's a really fun song um, but yeah, like the theme of the, I, the theme of all these songs are pretty simple and on the surface, like everything about Blackalicious tends to be very sincere and like very obvious, even if the imagery is much more abstract, if that makes sense. For sure. The points, the theme of the songs and the points that he's making are not particularly, uh, you know, hugely, uh, it, abstract or whatever. I mean, if you're comparing it to like, cause I, I think of like. There's a similar sentiment in like Blackalicious to something like, you know, a group that I'm really into, Shabazz Palaces, mm-hmm. um from the twenty tens, although I guess the guy is was in Diggable Planets originally. But right. um it uh there's a lot of like political sort of, you know, uh kind of uh Afro conscious kind of stuff in there but it's it's more like abstract and also more like cutting for sure uh, whereas this is a little bit more direct and sincere it's very like it it is funny like we're covering like both both blackalicious and the next artist we're covering and arguably boards of canada are all artists that i would describe as like pretty utopian mm-hmm. um and i guess utopian is how i would describe this whole album really I, I think most of it except for i guess like i guess kind of purest love goes goes both ways but yeah absolutely i mean that's why it has that native tongues vibe to me it's like a lot of that early afrocentric rap was so optimistic you know and kind mm-hmm. of joyful if you listen to like uh people's instinctive travels or three feet high and rising or um uh queen latifah's first album like they're they're just kind of joyful expressions which is great. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I, you know, especially after what the nineties really ended up being, which is like a decade of fairly grim gangster rap. Um, there is, well, until, until the end of the nineties, this is very true. Um, but yeah, when you get a, uh, uh, super uh, ghetto superstar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, there is a, there is a sort of, uh, relief and an album that is just fun um like even this like there's no this there's no there's no trauma porn on this album yeah there's almost no trauma porn on this album but even in indie rap like indie rap tended to be pretty sad or melancholic you know this is all Mm -hmm. it's gets uh looped in with emo rap a lot for the same reason this album like kind of like what the review says like feels like a party it feels purely joyful even when it's being self-conscious the one uh, wh- I don't really have this critique with. I I actually really like the 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 beats like on this album outside of particular tracks tend to be pretty simple. I think the beat works like really well for this song. Mm-hmm. But there are some tracks where I think like, you know, and maybe I'm coming from the perspective of like you know in the 2010s like production on yeah, the production side of rap became so much more, uh, you know, a, a big part of everything like 
whereas I think like there are some songs on this album that it's like a little bit weaker, but not on this song. I, I will um, say relative to like the time, you, you know, again, your comparison points are either songs with hugely obvious samples like Ghetto Superstar or G-Funk, which yeah. is essentially like a single Moog line. Yeah, for the time, this is actually, it's, you know, way above par. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty like dense for the time. I mean, obviously, you know, compared to some of the wilder shit that happens now or like LP stuff or whatever, um, it's not. Compared to Clams Casino. But, yeah, compared to Clams Casino, sure. <laughs> but in 2002, this is pretty hot. And I, and I think a lot of it holds up although i guess i mean bomb squad's pretty dense this is a bomb squad dance <laughs> so so next track is sky is falling you say you don't like this one I th- as much i think it's fine the hook doesn't work for me as well yeah it's a little bit more like it's just like it feels like it like feels a, like the wizard like of a, oz like a. it's like a bad musical yeah. a little bit exactly <laughs> Ring and thunder and lightning crumbling Buildings falling, hurricanes earth shattering Membranes scattering, insane happenings Souls keep burning and the sky keeps plummeting The sky is falling, life is appalling And death is lurking, niggas killing each other Leaving bodies, nobody searching for And juveniles are losing trials Catching a bit of murder, one and mothers is drinking And drugging hoes, searching for a son And liquor stores upon every corner And younger people unaccepted defeat And a melting pot of lava seeping And the hood is all the more I can conceive When your foes bleed until they death And you pick and they pocket all the yeah, I don't like that vocal hook. I I mean the 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 rapping is is good. I I don't know. I think it's actually I, I when I first heard this album, I wasn't as keen on this track, but I think it actually fits in with the um sort of uh sequencing of the first few tracks. Sure. Because it's it's one of the only like more, you know, depressing dystopian sounding uh sort of songs where he's just talking about, you know, you know, it's all very general. Like he's talking about, you know, uh, says the the coppers is the clan and the planet is run by the I, government I and genocidal thieves. I kind of hate that line. <laughs> no. I mean, the coppers are the clan. Like some of those that work for us are the ones that burn crosses. That's true. The planet is run by the government is a meaningless thing to say. <laughs> yeah. All the while the devil is loving it. There's a little bit of Christianity in there, which I can, I can accept. <laughs> I'm not a, it's <laughs> acceptable but but it's an accepted there's an acceptable <laughs> amount of Christianity on this album but this is I, I think that's the other thing though is that this is one of the preachiest songs yeah it is a uh, preachy song the, the hook is rain and thunder and lightning crumbling buildings falling hurricanes earth shattering membrane scattering insane happening souls keep burning in the sky keeps it just feels down. like a little only a little more complex than where's the love <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't know. I I think like it, it, within the sequencing of the album. Uh, I, yeah, I think I can see I can see what you mean. Like sonically, it's a fun twist after Blazing Arrow, which is fairly positive. Well, and the thing I will say about this album is, even in the midst of like songs that I don't like, when usually when the gift of gab comes in, like he he kind of he makes the song more something i want to listen to because his delivery and and everything it's 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 hard not to get swept up yeah um but yeah it's you know it's what you think it is (laughs) yeah precisely um i just don't really like the hook but that's okay it does go really nicely into the next song which is first in flight featuring 
Gil Scott it's Heron. Gil Scott Heron, it's so good. I love it. We got a rhythm in time. I never hesitate about a reluctant mind Just put the pedal to the metal, see what you find You're back and slouching over, won't you pick up your spine Let's make it really, really happen, live up this time Cause you could choose to say good morning God, a good God morning, we're black clouds storming I walk without umbrellas in any woods Don't need it cause the mighty trees above will shelter me good I'm eating berries from the bushes of the heavenly goods Upon the stage, the power came through us whenever we stood Reverberating out of reach in each and every Unlike, unlike Kanye West, who just sampled some old Gilstadt Heron thing that is famous. They actually got him for this song. They got him, so. and it's great. Yeah, and I fucking, I, I fucking uh, I've been listening to a lot of Gil Scott Heron lately, and like it's fucking great. Um, and this hook is good. Yeah, so this is one of the tracks that my friend sent me, and I I didn't like it as much at the time, but I I don't know I I didn't like a lot of things. Sure. So <laughs> doesn't really. But the the hook is like the the transition from sky is falling to first is flight might be my favorite transition on the album. It's really good, um, yeah. And it it just has that nice like keyboard riff again. Like a lot of this stuff is just played. This isn't like most of it is not sampled. The keyboard riff is actually one of my favorite production touches on the album because it's so kind of ambient. Yeah, this is a yeah. I mean the. The, he says meditation, meditation, meditation. I mean, this this song sounds like meditating. It's, totally. You know, all we got is rhythm um, and timing. <laughs> yeah, I'm I, I'm so bad at like you know like going because I know so much of like <laughs> hip hop is like you know scrutinizing the lyrics and saying like what verses or what you know things you know imagery that you liked and disliked, but um, I, I'm so bad at doing that. It's just so much of it. You know, I I, uh, I usually don't do that unless it's like Billy Woods. I'm not usually doing that either, especially with somebody like Gift of Gab, where the joy of his lyrics is in the cadence and energy of them. Yeah, it's more like because what he's saying is pretty, like I said, pretty sincere and obvious points i like like a perfect example with this track is he, where he's like rise like the sun up yeah. at the crack of the dawn rise like an infant being held in the light rise if you're sleeping won't open your eyes again like you know yeah it was repeated uh yeah his, the his greatest high is the natural nice. high within um and gil scott Heron uh sounds great on this track he does sound old but uh yeah. it works perfectly for the song he still got it you know uh, this has a uh a nice like uh fade out at the end mm-hmm. where like he's he's saying uh he's saying what is he saying um uh it's just he's saying like i i turn or what what is he saying i um because he's repeating, because all we yeah, got is rhythm and yeah. timing. Because and then he says another line, which I'm not sure. I, it is, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but it, it like it's one of those things where everything sort of fades out, and he has like some kind of like weird flangey effect on his voice a little bit. Uh, so it sounds a little bit. It sounds a little bit cosmic. I I just think I think like this is this is my frustration with the album is the production feels. And arrangement feels significantly better on some songs than versus other songs. This is true. And I think it's one of the reasons why towards the end of the album it gets a lot better and there's a bit of a dip is when like it feels like I wouldn't even say the production gets bad, but it gets a little samey. Yeah. And this is 
this is a track that you can absolutely listen to on its own. Oh yeah, and first, I have. first in flight's like definitely a highlight. Um, but then we hit the section of the album <laughs> that is my least favorite part. Like the next like five songs or so. There's, I like nowhere fast. Okay, yeah, that's a good one. But, but, but Green Light now begin. Uh, like it's, I, I do like I do like the delivery. I just like the idea of like again in the progression of the album it's like we're moving on now like this is you know like we've gone from the meditation to you know we've moved from meditation to action and this is our this is our putting things into action but i feel like like i can understand why you would say geogaddy's got a better sequence but i do think this album has a sense of progression that is fairly rare for hip-hop at the time um or at least is more convincing than a lot of hip-hop at the time that said this chunk is not very good. And I, the, the line that always sticks out to me on this, because it's like, this is, this almost sounds like something Hannibal would say is the diabolically I grin as I'm frolicking within your anatomy again. Mm, I don't like that. <laughs> it's, line. it's real. Normally. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I don't think he, I think he's actually referring to the listener and not like uh, a woman here. Uh, uh, yeah. Either way. <laughs> yeah. It's true. I mean, because he's not somebody who's very, like, he's not really, like, there. there isn't, like, there's, not like a sex there's barely any, like, I'm horny songs on this album. No, it's it's more like a, a motivational speaker, a lot of this. But, yeah, it's like, I'm going to get inside your mind. Which is why when we get there, it's why I like, one of the th- reasons why Nowhere Fast is funny um, mm-hmm. is because so much of this is, like, inspiring action. Um, but, I, oh, go ahead. I will say, like, what I don't like about this is one of the songs I'd probably cut out if I resequence. Green light now begin. I like it has an opening riff that's pretty good. I think let, actually I'm gonna see what this is sampled from. It's sampled from "It Remains to Be Seen" by Bernie Maupin. Um, I think that's the opening riff. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, sorry, Benny Maupin. <laughs> sorry, um, but or Maupin probably. I probably pronounced all of those things wrong. Sorry. Uh, anyway, listen, we're all um, we're all doing our best here. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I've only most of these um, words we've only read. <laughs> but um so it has a like a nice opening guitar riff and then it just goes into like chords. It's just like but 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 Yeah. But but and it's just like uh, uh like I, I don't know, like after Blazing Arrow and like First in Flight which have much more, you know, adventurous production choices it's, on it it's just like it's a weird huh. choice it, or, or, it's not weird but it, it's especially i think when you're getting into and maybe what they're going for is an irony but when you're getting into like this much more like motivational section or like this much more active section for your production to get a lot more lackadaisical feels it's it's rough you know it's not it's not what i would do <laughs> I think there. I, it seems like from listening a little bit, there are still some interesting production choices. They're just like it's a lot less musical. It's mostly percussion. There's like a woman's voice going, "Green lighting 
I actually like yeah. yeah, I like the the vocal hook a lot. I think it's Yeah, and like it's a little bit um it has that phase phased effect on it mm. or whatever and there's like, you know, he's like um that vocal uh, feels like it's maybe literally flanged, like it's playing the track at, at twice in two different, slightly different uh, timings. He has like the delivery. He has like the emphasis of like you know, it's, it's like um, you know, it's like da 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 da, and he has like a you know uh, a double track of his vocals mm-hmm. just saying that line like in the other, in the other. Uh, speaker and you know the other the other in the other ear the other part of your anatomy in the other there is some there is some cool like panning things on this uh, album in terms of production i think even when like the production in terms of the beat is off the production in terms of like the mixing is always like i think spot on yeah, I guess it's more of a question of the arrangement. Uh, right. It's maybe it's, even th- than the production. It's hard with hip hop because production means a different thing usually. Um but anyways. Yeah, I I'll go ahead. I I guess I guess the point of this track is it's supposed to get you to like f- really focus on his lyrics like and you know like because that is kind of like, you know, everything else is like kind of you know I, I don't know, but it just doesn't, it, it, I don't know. It like, I don't mind this track as much as the next song, um, <laughs> but. Yeah. Um, the next song is so corny. <laughs> uh, well, why don't we just get to Let's it? Let's get into uh, it. Yeah, 4,000 4, miles. miles. Um, so my favorite line in the song is, um, still hate a wax song as much as the next man. Well, I am sorry, Latif, the truth speaker, but this song is wax. <laughs> Yo, we take a journey through music right now. We take a journey through music right now. Yo, with music temptations can't be resisted. Fits with being consistent. Make me a misfit listed as a phenomenon. I got an uncommon bond with shit perfection and flexing like I spent time in Nam. The beat is on and it's nice and easy. Instrumentals blending like cinnamon, rice and peas. It lights a breeze when you don't have to kick it to find. Contemplate the creation. It's really awkward. Like, I think the beat could have been interesting, but they interact with it in a very awkward way. Um, and it's there's not like much musical about it. They're just like, we take a journey, a journey through music. Well, that's right the thing now. is, like, Although the, I, the key, the piano line, I could see being a good hook if they weren't literally just matching it. Yeah. Well, this song has the theme of like, music it's cool folks yeah and it's like yeah yeah i know i'm listening to an album here <laughs> i know <laughs> i mean it's them like right it's like them calling out uh other musicians and you know yeah it, it feels corny like it feels like i, I when, do when like Latif says uh, even hammer would say my shit's proper like oh yes, year that's, are we in? <laughs> yeah well they're they're from the bay area so i guess that's like a, a because Hammer is from Oakland originally. I did not know that. That's amazing. Yeah. So um, I, <laughs> one thing I like I have in my head is is Charlie Two and Eight, who is from uh, Jurassic Five. Mm-hmm. He says he said right at the beginning of the song he says G five black alicious and like, that like it like uh it's delayed or whatever yeah. so it's like just that phrase just kept repeating in my head like when I was sleeping <laughs> <laughs> haunted <laughs> by Charlie morning. too and <laughs> amazing 
but yeah, this is like one of the like we're just gonna throw in our 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 friends as guest verses. We got Latif, the truth speaker of the Quantum Projects, uh, and and also Charlie Tuane of of uh, Jurassic Five. Um, and uh, I think you know that's I've it. never listened to Jurassic Five. Is it Charlie Tuane or Charlie Tuna? Oh, it's probably Charlie Tuna. It's pro- I don't there, know. It's hard there, to say. There's a there's no there's there's no R in there. It's a C H I C H A L I. It's like um I remember when I would read about Wu Tang before I'd ever listened to Wu Tang and I would call them the R Z A, and the G Z A. <laughs> you know when I was a little kid. It's, yeah, it's it's probably Charlie. Charlie Tuna. Tuna. You're probably yeah, right. Yeah, this is this is our lack of cred, folks. I've never listened to Jurassic Five, and I'm sorry. <laughs> I haven't either. I just remember seeing their name everywhere. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're a big part of the scene. I just never got it. I don't know. Same reason I never bought a Shins album. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Black Alicious, Jurassic, Maroons. Maroons, Latirical Madness. Oh, he's mentioning Latirics, which is the group that Latif, the truth speaker, and Lyrics Born, a.k.a. Asia Born, um were part of and they were also part of the soul sides slash quantum projects thing so all of which is is news to me i remember lyrics born but like i did not know about the latirics yeah that was the group that they were part of um yeah i don't know maroons is obviously they're, a reference they're to ma- maroon five they're talking about how other some other rappers are whack and uh some are good though how how they they use the cosmic powers of uh their abilities to channel the heavens and that music is cool and all that but yeah. this is also a song least... that's like way over long yeah oh. for what it is it's so simple and it's goes on for so long um i just hate i hate the bo bo it's just such a I don't know. It's a dumb like rhythm. I don't know. It's it's not my favorite. Yeah, it it feels so familiar to me and I can't place it. Um and I do hold the like I feel like it could be a good hook for like an R or like an an R&B song or like a um any song where the hook isn't just that. Like you could play with that riff. And they just don't. Yeah. It's the number one track that I would cut off the album if I, I if I had my I would say. I would agree with that. Uh, Nowhere fast, I'm a big fan of. I'd say it's the best of this stretch of five. I, um, I, I think so. It's it's also the, Proggy's the wrong way to put it, but it's a song that definitely has like distinct sections. Yeah, it's more of a specific theme. There's there's like a some like string section going on here mm-hmm. i think um this is the one that's guest produced uh excuse me by quest love is it of, guest producer or is he just playing uh drums on it i'm sh- i'm sure he's playing drums but it's produced by chief xl and quest love apparently sure. so co-produced um yeah, uh, the name of the singer is Tracy Moore, by the way. She's great. Genius. She is. Yeah. This is pr- probably the best of the, like, female uh, vocalists, like, so, you know, soul R&B vocalists. She brings a lot of personality uh, to it, which is important for the uh, um, yesterday part. Or tomorrow part. I'm sorry. Tomorrow? <laughs> tomorrow. 
Uh, this is interesting because it, it definitely has some preachiness to it, but there is maybe a little bit of a sense of irony to it. Like he's he's talking about like, he's like, I used to do all these things. Like I used to eat bad. That's, that's the main thing that I remember is him talking about how he used to eat badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now he's like, I'm go- I've gone vegan now. So I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to like stretch. I'm going to exercise. Tomorrow. I'm going to like... <laughs> view view everything like tomorrow i'm gonna do it and like i'm sure like uh, oh oh god this line i'm writing songs that's bumping like the isleys <laughs> like I, the isley brothers yeah i think that line's cute <laughs> yeah i just I, I don't know i thought that was a funny line but um but uh, but the, and then that ends with like I'm about to change the way I'm living, homie. I'm eating vegan, no ham or bologna. I'm starting off my day with yoga stretches. I'm about to master self and study lessons. I'm swearing off the weed and alcohol. I won't be affected by doubts at all. The sky's the limit, watch, I'm about to fall. I'm spending every single dollar wisely. I'm writing songs as punk. Oh, wait, it's here? Oh, wait, what? Don't even trip. Just give me one more day. <laughs> yeah, I think I think there's a little bit more of a sense of self-deprecating and irony where he's playing. Because he, he can be a little preachy on other tracks, but he's it's like... It's funny. He's saying, oh, I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to do all these things tomorrow. But and, and know, Tracy like, Moore like, is, like, follows up every line with tomorrow and like is constantly like giving it... Like it develops. It starts with just like a refrain and then it turns into like accusatory and then kind of making fun of him. Like, yeah, it's it. I'm building to the fullest every minute. I'm through the talk. I'm about to live it. Ain't even started yet. I'm at the finish line. I like that. <laughs> it's line. really good. It's like, yeah, I, I, th- I think I do. What I do like about this track is it's a little bit more. Yeah. Like self, uh, it's it's making fun of itself a little bit more. Like. Yeah, it, it spends a, the the early part of the track with like a good hook, and it's setting up like, you know, the same kind of preachiness. And again, it's like we're three songs into like a fairly active like preachy part, and then it feels undercut in a way that's like really satisfying and funny. Like the the album hasn't been funny in a little while. <laughs> yeah, this is a by the way the nowhere the nowhere fast line is like an interpolation of this song. Um, uh, the Friends of uh, Distinction, Nowhere by the Friends of Distinction. Um, but yeah, they they literally say we're going nowhere fast in that song. So it's like, it's one of those things where like, I mean, common for hip hop albums, sometimes they don't sample things. They just take like a vocal hook or an idea from another song. Right. And, uh, you know, classic example is the, um, you know, I don't know why this is the one that I always think of the, uh the kanye west like i don't blame you much for wanting to be free i just wanted you to know like the nina simone right. song the, the, infamous <laughs> but yeah no nowhere, nowhere fast is a good nowhere song. fast is good and it's one of the places again where i think the sequencing works even if the reason it works is because the previous couple of songs aren't very good um and one of the things i'm thinking about now as we're talking about is like when i'm when i think about oh though this album earns every minute i think part of that is because it ends so good that it leaves me w- with a good impression. True, where, true. While, where revisiting yeah. it like track by track, and also like kind of in a similar way to Geo Gaddy, like it flows in such a way that the songs that don't work for me just kind of sit in the background, and then I get to the stuff that works. Uh, this has like kind of a pointless uh, interlude at the end uh, with this guy 
ten, tennis tennis shoes. Well, I yeah, guess the, probably. The, like. Yeah, um, that's a that's a weird thing. Uh, it's it's one of those. There's a lot of interludes like this, although this is the only one called out by genius that I can see. Uh, it's not it's not a, it's not a, tr- a separate track on the album. It's just the end of nowhere. Yeah, fast. most of these. Most of these interludes are not like, and the thing is, like the next track is a much longer interlude. This more memorable. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I don't mind them, but there are a lot of tracks that like end maybe four of the six minutes of the yeah. way in, and then they just have an interlude at the end, which is like kind of maybe cool that they don't just have it as a separate track, honestly. But some of them work better than others. I, I, I like it. It it's great when you're listening to it as an album. And I think if I just want to listen to Nowhere Fast, you know, I stop before I get there. Because um, the interludes are are cool for the flow. And again, it makes it feel like a prog rock album in a weird way. Uh, but I do, the unlike Geo Gaddy, the interludes don't stand on their own. Like, they're yeah. not individually good. What they are is connective tissue to make it feel like almost like an, um, an like a DJ set where you have these transitions to to get the beat where it needs to be for the next song. Well, okay. And next we have Paragraph President. Is it is it their is it their sequel to Ghetto Superstar? <laughs> I think <laughs> Ghetto Superstar was in that movie. Bullworth. I almost said Bushwick. Bullworth. Oh god. Yep. I remember that music video. Good yeah. god. Uh yeah, um this this Speaking of De La Soul, actually, the phrase paragraph president uh, comes to them saying mm-hmm. that in the song is a sample for, of a De La Soul song, Daisy Age. Yes. Uh, which, um, again, and also this, the, the ties are all there, man. This samples uh, a lot of the like speech are, are a record by which uh, like a novelty record called If I Were President by Timmy Rogers. Mm-hmm. I really want to hear this record because it seems funny. I do, too. Like, you like know, the these samples are very funny. <laughs> yeah, it's like one of those 60s novelty records. Um, but yeah, this is a song where like lyrically I'm not so into it, but I think a lot of the flow is like pretty, pretty sick. Paragraph, paralyze a rhythmic aristocrat. Mr. Rap, it's the gift of gap. About to twist your cap. Swift the best of fast. Fury, worry, hit the split your ass. It's a bits and fragments. Submit your quits and stitch your ass. Sit your ass down while I rip the tracks and spit the facts. Hit the grass. Green, brown, or purple. I'm the diplomat. Rip your raps. Really, you don't get the math. Just a half breed. Only rhyme I was meant to rap. Into that. Fire breathing rhyme. Heathen kidnap your mental black. Hijack your fly daff. A kind head your intellect. Mind state arrow. This is, I guess, this could, in a different universe, this could be a Run the Jewels song. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but it's it's not like it's not very it's not very political. It's mostly like like I am the king of lyricism. Yes. That's kind of like the the whole idea. He's the paragraph paralyzer, rhythmic aristocrat. Yeah. Um, but it is like. Again, like the, you know, the flow throughout is always impeccable, but this is one of those times where it feels, I think with the production, like there's a great like rhythmic uh, oomph to this that carries me, even if the hook doesn't always. Yeah, the the boom, boom. It's like a little too too little for me in terms of musically. I like the line, I'm the comet like Muhammad with the verbal rope. I love that line. I love that line. Um, I also love Overgrown and, Child, and, Never Growing Old, Someone Oats, Poking Notes. 
you can never uh you can never uh go wrong with the the line and to the republic kiss my ass absolutely also i love this line because it feels like a beastie boys like cheesy line is hit you with the funk it's like who cut the provolone (laughs) yeah ah terrible i love it Several reviews mentioned that, how they were throwing a fart joke in the midst of everything else. Hey, um, I'm not above it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Leave your city burning like Gamora. Yeah. Gamora. Gamora. I, did you ever remember, speaking of 2000s things, the, um, what is that that guy's name? The Professor Brothers, like those videos, like where they like, they were like Adult Swim. Like, oh yeah, the um, the uh, Brad, Brad Neely the stuff. China, yeah, Brad Neely, China, Illinois. There's one where he talks about Sodom and Gomorrah, and he's like, he's like Sodom named after sodomy, and Gomorrah named after an even weirder move. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good Brad Neely impression. <laughs> I, I I love the I just love the line. Yeah, Gomorrah named after an even weirder yeah. move. <laughs> I am. In awe of your, of your brother, of your professor brother's impression. That's that's sick. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now we're gonna talk about. <laughs> oh man. Um. Anyway. Anyways. Yes. We got it. We got to throw in those because it is it's two thousand. It's the two thousands, baby. Um. But yeah, there's some good lines in this. What, what actually? I actually like the interlude of the song better than the actual. Song. I would agree. I mean, that's that's uh, where that's where the DJ Shadow really kicks yeah. in. You know, feel like I miss a piece of myself. Feel like I got to get back to a piece of myself. Man, I still gotta write this verse too. Halfway home. Halfway home. Hi, Miss Johnson. How you doing? Hey, Gladys. Looking good. Looking good. It's it's weirdly like because it's you know he's like talking about he's like oh I missed the bus well I'm gonna walk anyway you know I've got to get some exercise halfway home and you know and then he's just talking about like he's like hi mrs anderson or whatever yeah, yeah. But it's hey like, gladys it's one of those things <laughs> yeah it's one of those things that like if you heard this on a kendrick lamar album or whatever you're like oh no someone's about someone's to get, about like, to die <laughs> shot yeah or some someone's gonna get like stopped by the police or something but, but this is a black alicious album nothing like that but this happens, is why so. and again this goes back to like a day lost soul sort of thing where it's just like normal people in the neighborhood <laughs> yeah you know where it's like, it's like oh that. yeah you know what did you hear that uh uh Postnuos has dandruff <laughs> like you know it, it's that kind of vibe to me um i love it i love it rap about normal things yeah. it's it's silly it is funny that I, I mean, I don't know. It's, I'm I'm guessing, like, the reason that there isn't an actual, like, rap verse and it's just him talking, like, narrating is probably because he just wanted the DJ Shadow, yeah. like, beat to be the attraction because that is... It is. That guy's whole thing. It, it feels but, like a, um, a Chief Excel beat and then it doesn't feel like one song, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, just goes into another thing. Um. But then the next track is the eminently forgettable It's Going Down. I'm sorry, I don't like this track very much. Yeah, I think this one's done dirty by its sequencing because it's fall it's you have that great interlude before and it's followed by Make You Feel That Way. 
So like, it's a letdown compared to both. Well, it's the microphone ripper. Party rocking, get the gab, I hit the scene. Lift you on my beam and send you through my high planes. Mind train shifting through your migraines. Fit with that, I hit with patterns, get you twisted sideways. And I'm the head honcho, sport golden tonsils and fitting new styles all the time. Like Bronco, 4x4, running over suckers like a Bronco. Haters say the lyrics ain't It just, it sounds like late 90s R&B. It me. does. Like, not, yeah. You just got, if you're into that, though. <laughs> Uh, I'm yeah. into Eve. I can get into it. This the hook is by uh, Kiki Wyatt is the person who sings the hook. Um, the hook is fine. It just I don't know. It just sounds like other things to me. Latif the the truth speaker is back on this on this one. I think of this song. He kind of sounds I, like he he, he kind of sounds like Eminem a little. He bit. does. I think if this song was like earlier, like if this was where like Four Thousand Miles of Green Light was, I think I would like it a lot more. Or work a lot better. I think individually it works for me. It's just where it is, it feels like a flow breaker. It, it like musically the song isn't too bad. It just sounds a little bit less distinctive. It I is. Guess. Le- I mean, it's it's a lot more of its time for sure. This was co-produced actually, but with High Tech, who produced for some Black Star albums and Fifty Cent, which is weird. I can um, I can see the Fifty Cent Black Star sounds. Very different. It sounds like TLC um, is really what we're getting, like, dancing around. Yeah. Or, like, I, I Destiny's mean, it's, Child. Which is fine, but, like, it's not what I, like, am listening to this album for, I guess. No, but I think one of the things that's cool about this album, even when it doesn't work, is the diversity within the genre. True. Um, which I think is what makes the the back half of this album so strong is how different sounding each of the songs gets. I really wonder if the anarchist website it's going down got their name from this track. <laughs> I'm sure they're huge Blazing Arrow fans. Well, cuz like I'm pretty sure that's Bay Area centered too, so I wouldn't be surprised. Um, well, we'll have to ask. Let's get them on the show. <laughs> Yeah, let's get, get them on the show. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a, I don't have a I don't lot know. to it, say about this song. It's just no, I don't either. It it is like like the fact that a lot of like Bay Area hip hop tends to be a little bit more like you know outside the mainstream and also a little bit more like politically radical. I guess you could say. Yeah, you know, um, you know a lot more about another. that as a scene than I do. I've never thought of it as a scene before because. I'm in Texas. <laughs> yeah. I mean, our our uh, scene is Mike Jones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I, th- I think it makes sense because that is the climate like politically of the Bay Area. Although, you know, the arts have been totally stripped out of the fucking. Oh, sure. Tech by, pros are by, everything. by tech yeah. stuff and <laughs> random cults. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, random cults. Like now tech we pros. get to the point. We get to the point in the album where it's almost like a switch turns on and I start and liking every, every track. Every track bangs. It's so good. Um, That's what kind of makes me mad about the sequencing because like, you expect like some of these tracks to be like earlier in the album. But yeah. I don't know. For sure. Um, I think, and this is part of like childhood me listening to this so much, 
the early half of the album like gets me in the mood for it in a way. Um, you know, when you're a kid, you have infinite patience, right? Uh, for for art, and <laughs> I don't I don't know if that's necessarily true compared to me now. I guess I had, inf- it's I had just, infinite. It's just it's just like if art. you. Yeah, if you buy one CD, you're just like, I, I gotta listen to this as much as possible. Yeah, exactly. It's like how I would like, I'm okay with playing Dragon Quest One and grinding against slimes for three hours. True. You know? Or I played Super Mario RPG about three or four times. Oh, yeah. To completion. Absol- well, that game's amazing all the way through. Okay. Um, <laughs> fucking Geno and Smash, motherfuckers. But um, but you know, it's like the first few songs. Even though I don't love them, I would still listen to them. And there's a way that, like, they felt me, like, set up for this kind of climax. Like, it's almost like a a rising action, but instead of rising, it's, like, a good hill in the beginning and then kind of a flat line so that it crests really hard. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd imagine there was, you know, probably some intention of, like, some kind of implicit narrative or something going on there, but I just didn't. I, I do. I, I just don't like some of those other. Yeah, songs, I do think but. if you if you start feeling bogged down in the first half of the album, it's worth skipping to make you feel that way. Yeah, I was gonna say like when I was listening to this album, I just wanted to immediately skip to this track and then listen to the rest. I think you know what? I think that's valid, and I would never judge anybody for it. Um, like if you don't have the kind of deep affection that also makes you love Obstacle Two by Interpol. Um, you know, then then you're not gonna you know get into it, but but make you feel that so, way immediately is like a great production. One of my a really good baseline, like not complicated, but this healthy. is this is the one song of theirs that probably got like any real airplay. Yeah, um, although I've never at heard the time I've never heard him on the radio. <laughs> Up and early for the hope of a brand new day. See a homie you ain't seen since back in the day. Fresh haircut fitted with a fat ass fade. Into work we chillin' on a Saturday. How you felt when you first heard the daddy came? Rock MKRS, hey, I had that day. Coolin' out with old girl on a fat ass day. Find a hundred dollar bill, wow man, that's great. Get promoted at your job up to management. Plot a long time, finally your plan is made. It's time I feel I wanna shout, man, it's real that way. Wanna think of things that make you feel that way. Make you feel that way. Yeah, I did hear a little bit of it um, at the time. Also, I you know when when this came out, this was the other track that I checked out. Um, but uh, the main hook, like the main brass hook, is uh, from this uh, record called "Picture of Innocence" by the Cashmere Stage Band and Bubba Thomas from 1980. Also, this is the one song from the album, as far as I can tell, that has been sampled in other things, like subsequent hip-hop releases mostly just them saying make me feel that oh, yeah. way but did you just, uh did you ever see but, the music video yeah the music video is is on it just you know it's just hanging yeah. out uh it's it's the i like the i like the line where he says um uh how you felt when you first heard the daddy kane rakeem krs hey i had that tape i, I like that line yeah yeah th- this is what is one of the ones where again like the Sorry, it's Rakim. Yeah, it's Rakim. I, I'm sorry. pretty sure. I, I wasn't going to correct you. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, but like, it's sort of like De La or Tribe where it feels like very relatable rapping. Yeah. It's just like, remember when that nice stuff happened? Yeah. You know? Remember? Found a $100 bill. Wow, man, that's great. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> you know, speaking of set adrift on memory bliss, it's, there's something very weirdly nostalgic about it. 
Um, and it's just the production is so on point. Like the horn hook is great. The make you feel that way is great. The baseline is great. It's like I'm pretty sure it's cross panned, right? Yes, absolutely. Like the make. Or yeah. It's, yeah, it's like it's um, it's like automated to go in and out. Yeah. Um, um but the yeah, it's just like oh, you know, remember the times that good things happened. <laughs> he's like, and and then you know, on the last uh, the last verse, he's like, summer days is when you notice breeze winter days you notice heat when i'm gone more likely that you notice me maybe that's probably true yeah, <laughs> um yeah. the uh, the isaac brock school of lyric writing where it's just opposites uh, um, yeah but although he's making a point with it and it is kind of a fun run it's just like yeah it's it's you know time to be positive uh one thing that uh, i love uh, one of the things that sampled this and this is seems to be this is like one of the most 2000s artifacts that i could possibly find is this album by the kleptones who uh called yoshimi battles the hip-hop robots oh dear (laughs) (laughs) and the name of this track is uh uh my people feel that way in the morning it it combines uh in the morning of the magicians with make me feel that way two tracks that i love yeah i kind of want to hear that so yeah you can look it up (laughs) is this like the gray album but for hip-hop and yoshimi yeah i think so it's from 2003 so it was like contemporary too so that's kind of strange amazing i i have to check that out i think the other funny thing about this song is at the end where he's like you know it's just the most greatest feeling you could ever feel you know like just total elation sunny day just got paid you know it's just like this is most the joyous feeling you could ever comprehend you know it's like no subtlety in this well i I think that really gets at the core of gift of gap which is that while he's extremely like talented with sound and cadence he's not super like imagistic or poetic he's not good at like explaining abstract concepts (laughs) yeah he just it's like i hear a bit i don't actually mind it now like the first few times i heard it it's like yeah i know i can hear the song you know (laughs) like the song makes me feel that way so you don't need to explain it but you know it's fine it's it's cute i i i kind of it's it's like when you're high with somebody and they're just like you know it's just like wow you know oh man yeah (laughs) i i have grown to like that as like like that outro as an ending to this song Uh, but it is very like you know it's very obvious Um, next we have what might be my favorite, one of my favorite tracks in the album, uh, brainwashers. Um, and this hook is done by, uh, Ben Harper, who's apparently a famous musician who I don't know very much about at all. Uh, Ben Harper is like very much of the era, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, also apparently, cause I, I just looked him up to, make sure I was thinking of the right Ben. There's a lot of Bens. He was married to Laura mm-hmm. Dern. <laughs> what? For like eight years. Yeah. Oh, right. Right. Oh my God. I didn't Whoa. know that. But you know, yeah, he was very much of the era. I remember I know him like as being part of the sort of soul folk scene of the era. He, wait, he appears in Inland Empire. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> 
I need to find that scene. Oh my god, so many people are in fucking Inland Empire. That movie, I love Inland. That movie is like a weird. Like if you've ever played the game Gabriel. Knight, Gabriel Knight, the, the Beast within. within. Yes. Yeah, so, like that actor is one of the main characters, I, and that's like one of the only things that he's been it's in. So or those two. Because when I saw, oh my god, we're going off on a kick. But yeah, we are. Like when I saw that movie the first time, and I'd played Beast Within before. Never saw that guy again, and I'm like, oh my god! It's like, uh, oh, what's his name? Like Count Von, uh, whatever. But you know, it's the gay werewolf from the FMV game. Um, That's so strange. Like the, he's barely he hasn't been in that much. Well, so that guy that guy's a Polish actor, so I think he's been in more work in Poland. Okay. But um, that said, it's like, which is also why he's in Inland Empire, right? Which is a very like. Oh yeah, fucking Terry Crews is in Inland isn't Empire. It? That's so good. When Terry Crews is in, like, um, God, we'll do an Inland Empire episode sometime. Okay, uh, okay, fucking, okay. It's my, one of my favorite I'm movies sorry. ever made. I could, I could go on and on about okay. Inland Empire. But Brainwashers, great track. I love this. Has an extended intro mm-hmm. where it's just like the band warming up. I, I love it. I love those kinds of intros. And this has kind of a like. It, it 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 like slowly builds, you know, and then it kind of slowly recedes. You know, it's one of those kinds it's of It's really good at building from Make You Feel That Way and going into sort of the studio interlude that creates chemical calisthenics. Like, again, this is where the sequencing is really impeccable. Um I agree. The Ben Harper hook is one is maybe one of my favorites on the album for sure. I think I think it's the best hook on the album. It's it's yeah deeply like soulful in a way that a lot of the other hooks gesture towards, but don't quite hit, you know, like a lot of them will feel more like texture. Whereas this feels like a centerpiece. Hey, are you conscious? What side you on? Is the total story told or isn't they hide you from? Why we're on the brink of murdering more innocent? Now it's like we're patriotic and so militant. Get your ride on, rise on, take a look. They done even taken righteous laws, rewrote the book to benefit the prize they got their eyes on. Minds run round, truth will be revealed when the proper time comes. Brainwashed. Yeah, and I mean the lyrics to this are very you know conscious rap type stuff, um, but I there's a there's a there's a little bit of a, a zoomed out broader scope to it. I think that like with the the overall like theme of the lyrics or the theme like the musical sort of um, feeling, it 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 makes it work really well. I I like the way that like it begins where you know it takes a while to build to it and then and then gift of gifts says walk to a time when minds was one you know and it's like he's talking about creation man you know it's just like a it's like a cosmic scope yeah man. <laughs> exactly again it's that like whoa dude have you ever like really looked at the sun um kind of yeah the beginning of the second verse, brainwashers, it's when you, you think how you want to think, speak how they want to speak, living in defeat, when you don't want to question what they teach as the truth. Uh, the fear of burning in eternal heat. Very, uh, definitely something that you would hear on like a uh, fucking Run the Jewels mm-hmm. kind of album. Uh, but uh, yeah. But I love like... Um so my favorite couplet is uh, the now you're labeled obsolete working for elite beasts in the heat on bare feet, smile showing off your teeth. 
Like, I think that's one of the rare couplets where like, yeah, it's about the sound, but like the image works. It's like imagistic in a way that really works for me. Uh, it's berserk how they work it and they jerk it while they serve Yeah, us. well, <laughs> you know, I didn't extend the couplet for a reason. <laughs> but the, 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 the surface keep the circus underneath the brainwashers. Okay, you know what? We need to make a companion song to this. This has become like my personal meme is like, completely unrelated but somehow related companion songs the, with the line the sur- the surface keep the circus underneath the brainwashers pair this song with circus world by guided by voices <laughs> <laughs> yeah stay tuned for the uh kitchfork mixtape of, uh, <laughs> of free associative companion songs I mean, Circus World is about music industry. No, though, I know. So. Like, yeah, we'll put we'll put Monkeyland by the Chameleons on. It'll it'll be a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, Clown Town. Clown Town, absolutely. <laughs> uh, that's not about the music industry, <laughs> but I mentioned it on a previous episode. Anyway, um, so that yeah, ends. this is great track. There's a is there a there's a an outro that's just percussion well it's it's, it's like studio banter right like it's percussion yeah um and then like oh he says uh this interlude is named kool-aid chemistry apparently he says you uh, the guy in the studio says you just keep playing can you bring up that level in my earphones yeah it's like he's 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 playing he's talking about playing like an acoustic like it sounds like he's playing on a bucket or i guess he's playing on a chair He's like, oh, I'm playing with sticks too loud. I need you to bring it up in my earphone so I can hear it. Um, That's actually a good lead into the next song. Yeah, you know? which is super percussion focused. Like, So we have our sequel to Alphabet Aerobics. The superior sequel, in uh, my opinion. Yeah, Chemical Calisthenics, also produced by Cut Chemist uh, of Jurassic 5, who produced Alphabet Aerobics. It's the only two Blackalicious songs he produced. I almost wish there were more. I know these are gimmick tracks. Like, I understand that this is just a pure gimmick, but I almost wish there was more of this because he's so good at doing it. Yeah, it's a gimmick that doubles down on his strengths, and it has the same appeal as, like, a good drum solo where there's just a lot of, like, rhythmic variations that uh sit in for what would be a melodic progression and it's it's always kind of exhilarating to hear here we go neutron proton mass effect lyrical oxidation you're irrelevant mass spectrograph your electron volt atomic energy erupting as i get all open on betatrons gamma rays thermal cracking cyclotron any and every mic you're on transuranium if you always uranium molecule spontaneous combustion Pow. law of definite proportion game ink wait I'm every element around Lead, gold, tin, iron, platinum, zinc When I wrap you think, iodine, nitrate, activate Red uranium, the only difference is I transmit sound Balance with some balance, then you add a little talent in Careful, careful with those ingredients They can explode and blow up if you drop them and they hit the ground So this is, I mean, the theme of this is he's wrapping around the periodic table of elements It's very goofy and funny Uh, you can find a, a more recent performance of this song because I guess it's one of their more popular songs um, from like 2016, I think. Um, oh, and yeah, when when it's when they hit the ground, there's like the sound of someone saying "fuck." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I what I found really interesting looking up the uh, sources of the samples of this song is, um, well, one is like 
at the beginning, like there's there's so much sampling going on in this song. There's like uh uh someone's someone saying like it, there's an earlier sample of a Black Alicia song where he says, "I can do anything, I can do anything," and that's like a Black Alicia an, an older Black Alicia song. So it's like calling back. Then there's like that David Letterman sample. Um, there's there's another like from another rap song. I think it's. Um, organized confusion mm-hmm. uh where they say the gift of the gab and they use that and be to be like you know this is this is the guy you're listening to um but a lot of the percussion samples are from this album called the sheffield drum record which is just like people improvising on drums and i imagine is like a gold mine yeah <laughs> because it's just like it's all so like all the drums in this song are just sampled from that uh so which I find amazing. I, I didn't. Yeah, I. I'm kind of crazy that I never knew about this record, but I imagine it's sampled in a shit ton of things. I've always wondered what came first, because there's a lot of um, like the beat or the lyrics, because there's a lot of like rhythmic speeding up and slowing down that he's absolutely matching with every syllable, in a really impressive way. Um, so I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I like the gimmick stuff because like. I I've said before, and I might force us to do an episode on bus driver at some point uh, in the future. But like a lot of his stuff is more of this, you know, realm where it's a little more gimmicky um, and a little more nerdy. I mean, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not immune to gimmicks, but, uh, but I don't know. Except for I, Obi I like Trice, who's stuff. got a real name and no gimmicks. But this, this is a track that like could, like completely stands out from the rest of the album. I mean, yeah, it's it's the one that's directly a sequel to a previous track and doesn't sound anything like. Uh, well, it's not that like it doesn't sound anything like. But I, so much of the again the last half of this um, album is like experimenting in different genres. Yeah, um, I I like how much this. You know, like you said, it speeds up and slow. It's not just like uh, alphabet aerobics, which starts slower and then gets faster. This is like all over the place in terms of like rhythm. Speeds it's up very and slows down. And yeah. Virtuosic. It's very virtuosic. And it, it makes me like, especially some of those songs like, I don't know, 4,000 Miles or Green Light Now Begin or some tracks like that. It's like, I want a little bit more of that energy in those tracks. Like, I don't know. Yeah, he he switches like metric modes too. He gets in the triplets at one point. He's, I don't know, it's it's super cool. But yeah, it's a great, great, it's track. A great song. It's a great point in the album, yeah. Definitely a highlight of the album. Uh, then we have Oral Pleasure, a- another one of those songs that's like, hey, music is good, which like, yeah. But it's sure, a better one. song than 4,000 Miles. It does have a really good like horn hook, which I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to look at where that's sampled from. But they don't use it as much as I would like. <laughs> uh, the ba-da-ba-ba-da. <laughs> They call me Gavin, I rap and I do my thing and swing and bring it in my habit to tap on my balls. And the the singer is uh Jaguar, Jaguar, right? Jaguar, right? Um, yeah, 
I, I don't know. It's it, it, this is like the better version of it's going down to me, I guess. Yeah, it has like a a more of like an R and B, you know, intoned. Has a female vocalist, but it the the hook is stronger. And also, this one kind of ends earlier because a lot of like a decent amount of the song is taken up by a skit at the end. Yeah, I I don't know if I I I wouldn't call it a skit because skit because skits are bad universally. But it's it's like um. It's actually kind of an outro because it does have a, a like a musical sort of interlude that's in the same key as the rest of the song. Right. So it works like as almost like part of the song. Yeah, and it's it's like rhythmically delivered, like it's great. Yeah, this this isn't my favorite track on the the end the later end of the album. Um but I think like the hook the Buddha like really keeps me keeps me going, you know. Sure. It's, it's, it's like, it's like honey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's good vibes. And I, I, again, I really like the interlude here. I think it's, I think again, the sequencing's great because after chemical calisthenics, which has no melodic content, really, um, you get this like, yeah, this really velvety, like horn licking, uh, vocal hook. And I think it, it's, it, it works great. And I really like, I think, again, this is one of those things where, like, I really like chemical calisthenics and I really like passion. Um, and this just kind of gets wrapped up in between. So the the part uh, at the end, towards the end, features um, two members of the group, uh, Lifesavers. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, versatile? Versatile. Oh, my God. Vers- versatile. And Jumbo. That's easy to pronounce. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I like those outros because they like are kind of in the same key as, and even like the, even though it's a pretty simple beat, like the bass line is better. The boom, boom, it, boom, it also boom. has uh, Mio Hattori from uh, Chiba Mato. Oh, okay. The the tested yeah. and scarred, pressed through the storm stuff. Cool, but yeah, not a bad song. It has kind of a slow, you know, like. It's like a it's like a party van that's gradually rolling up on you, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know. the The whole music is cool. Theme is fine. I mean, whatever, music but is cool. It is cool. Yeah, I guess it works for like a party context too, because it's like you know. Yeah, exactly. It's a good song to jam to. Watch out, blazing arrow. Yeah, and I love Passion. Passion is me one of my favorites on the album for sure. Okay. Well, let's just get into it then. Passion. <laughs> with the with the passion, resignation. The will to win, the spark within, passion, the strength within, the hearts of men. Passion, the drive to press, to strive for best, to rise. You've just arrived. The quest is driven through. And that's <laughs> that's a, a line that I can actually deliver. So You're doing great. Incredible. Incredible flow uh, from Liz Ryerson. The only place <laughs> you'll get it is on Kitchfork Podcast. 
Um, That's uh, Ra- Ra- Raka, Raka Era Science is the guest on this uh, track. Uh, yeah. Uh, along with uh, Gift of Gab. I have no idea who that is. So. Uh, I don't either. Uh, Iris Science, prob- it's probably Iris Science. But yeah, this is more of like a, a rock like like rage against the machine or something like heavier like rock feeling although this is not the song with zach de la Rocha no but yeah i think that's why that's why i that's one of the reasons why i like it again this um this back of the album is so stylistically diverse and this is it just hits the 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 different like of the different vibes this album goes into you know the ones that work the best for me are like make you feel that way kind of the raw percussion of chemical calisthenics and like the rock vibe on passion, um, mm-hmm. which I think is really well done and like pulled off pretty well. Propaganda, positive propositions, a politician, musician, and a triple optician. Still part of my mission is to slaughter the opposition. Critics that don't get it, I tell them to stop bitching. I do without plaques, I've done it without. This has an interesting, uh, by the way, I really like this one sample use where there's a, a guy saying, an open microphone yeah. can be a dangerous thing. It's from a record called. Uh, Pardon My Blooper, Volume 4 by Kermit Schaefer. I'm pretty oh my sure God. that was. I'm pretty sure that Pardon My Blooper was referenced on a Simpsons episode. No, that's, you're thinking of Pardon My Zinger. <laughs> oh, Pardon My Zinger. Oh, see, yeah, now you know more about The Simpsons than I do. <laughs> everyone, I guess everyone knows about The Simpsons who watched that show. Back Everybody day, our so. age, yes, our age and older. The thing, p- p- part of My Zinger is important because that's how you know that Smithers didn't kill Burns. Yeah, and it was uh, on a Comedy Central. <laughs> yeah. It's the kind of things that they would air on Comedy Central before it, you know, was good. The the net the network of South Park and the Daily Show, right? Anyways, I'm but sorry, anyway, um, this this kind of has a. <laughs> it's gonna sound corny, but like a pre, um, uh, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, like introducing of of strings and stuff, like towards the end of the song, like there's a, oh, there's yeah. a or like horns or something. There's it's a a little bit more operatic feeling towards the end like that i really like it, there's of, an like, intensity to it that i really enjoy yeah the the main hook is good it, it's passionate in a way yeah, i would it's, say it's passionate huh wow i wonder why um you know again like lyrically this is maybe my least favorite but um musically yeah. and flow wise like i think it works really really well i mean like like we said it's it's just about you know just be passionate about what you're doing. Give it your you know, all. Passion is the is the thing that 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 gives you the spirit and the strength. It's not a it's not an advanced point, but you know it works for what it is. Um, musically, it's echoed in in the song. Uh, this also has kind of a like this album is starting to wrap up sound to it to me. For sure, um, you can tell you're getting to the end. I mean, I think the next song has that a bit more. Yeah, um, like we're we're on the final wind of the album. We're on the last maybe. stretch. Uh, we're about to get to the best song on the album to, for me. Um, Purest love is fine. I think pure- purest love is like the the story of gift of gab. It's like a bio song, it's basically. Super dark. <laughs> <laughs> 
corner Youngest child of six When I came, pop split with mama Used to visit on weekends Till he moved to the north side of Cali Fourteen, he died Fifteen, my mom died Alcoholic, diabetic forces Blow my life too Moved with my older brother Taught me discipline But I wasn't ready though Still shocked and holding pain So I skipped school, got F's Got the posters on my wall Taken down, no TV Times I felt like you ain't want me round Set up in my room Developing the mind of a lover Writing rhymes, rapping out my days Just get a yeah, I mean, well, it seems like his background is super. It's dark, super dark, so. yeah, but it's it's it stands out on this album, which is not dark really at all. And Purest yeah. Love comes in with like, yeah, this really bleak autobiography of like heart, like, and it, it's it's to get into like how important like love is to to him. But it starts yeah. with like everything was awful <laughs> yeah i mean probably I, I don't know it's just interesting because you know the image of of this uh this whole like term that is often used for like underground rappers is backpack rap which i hadn't mentioned before but uh we can talk about it a little bit after but like this um like some of these you know nerdier more musical sort of conscious rappers you don't necessarily conceive of coming through this great deal of trauma and all that because it's often not part of their narrative but that but that's the thing like it's it's an image like yeah. you know like some people play into that image who are not from that background and the vice and vice versa i mean like For sure he's someone who doesn't talk a lot about this kind of stuff but but he does have that background i mean he wasn't like a gangbanger but he comes from that kind of yeah, you know those kinds of circumstances, and I think it says something about maybe why he doesn't, because like this this narrative is fairly like beat by beat and literal, in a way that like you know somebody like Nas would get more emotional with it. Mm-hmm. Um, this doesn't really dwell. It really does feel like it's like I got okay. Let me lay down the groundwork so I can get to what's important. Um, and it's sort of like step by step. Here's all the bad things that happened to me as a kid. Um, and it's effective partially, I think, because of how, how much of a turn it is. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like, you know, a lot of this albums are a, a little bit more abstract talking about the power of music, talking about like maybe the music industry or the world. And now we're like bringing it back home, you know, right? <laughs> we're bringing it back to the source. And I do like how, you know, the first verse is all this dark stuff. And then the second verse, he says, the two realest cats I know, my two older brothers, the most beautiful woman in the galaxy, my mother, the strongest black women raising kids alone, my sisters, the best part of my future is my present love interest. So, you know, it goes back to the make you feel that way line of just like appreciating what you have, you know, which, you know, simple point, but still, still nice. Yeah. You know, it's, it's sweet, it's dark. I think it's a good song. I I like release. It is another thing where I like release so much that I don't think a lot about it. Yeah. I I like Purest Love just because it's like clear what it is and it's different like lyrically. Probably one of the best songs. Um like Oh yeah. More dis- more distinctive and it kind of is like here's here's the history of the Gift of Gab. Uh, so it's a it's a great song for a band to have, you know, when they have their their backstory in it. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah. Uh, but then we get to release. Release is so uh, good. This should be the end of the album. 
Yeah, featuring uh, Zach De La Roca from Rage Against the Machine just saying release. Saul Will- Williams, which is the highlight. Absolutely. Uh, I, and and also Lyrics Born, which is like... Who exists. Uh, come down. Uh, it, it's hard, I think to, it's hard to problem, follow up Saul Williams. Like, Saul Williams is yeah, my Yeah, this is an early Saul Williams guest appearance, but uh, it must be a career, like, a career highlight. I don't know. Because it is like the highlight of the album I'm, for for me. I mean, he's consistently so, so, pretty great on his albums, but yeah, for me, it's like it's so good. <laughs> and, yeah, and this is like I mean, a prog rock song. Like it's a sweet. It oh has yeah, parts. It's which I the first the prog rock nerd in me loves. <laughs> yeah, the first part is good. Um, is is very good with Zach De La Roca mm-hmm. saying release and Gift of Gab. It does a really good job. It's like it's this kind of like. There's a narrative to this of like if you think of this is this is what genius describes so I'm sorry but um the 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 first mode is like kind of venting frustration kind of just trying to have some sort of release against you know people who are subpar rappers or just you know mediocrity in general will say Prevalent melanin, elephant villain, and carrying sedatives that'll give average letterman calluses. Reckon with savageness, catalyst, battling rappers to stagger right after the dagger is left on the cherishes caliber. Attica, shatter your algebra with calculus. Damage your patterns, I'm pounding you so fabulous. Enough is enough is enough, and I'm busting up out of this shell and eruption and rupture your structure to fuck with your up in the gut. You a customer, puffing and puffing, disgusting, absolutely nothing. Disgusting me, plus infinity's up in me, rushing your country, percussion, no one be destructing the boundaries. Wake up and feel the second verse uh is Saul Williams which is much more abstract lyrical meditative you know imagery it's the it's the it's the word version of listening to a boards of Canada track a man that cries in his sleep a truth that has gone out of fashion a mode of expression a paint splattered wall a carton of cigarettes a bouquet of corpses a dying forest a nurtured garden a privatized prison a candle with a broken wick a puddle that reflects the sun a piece of paper with my name on it I'm surrounded I surrender all all that I am I have been all I have been has been a long time coming i am becoming all that i am the spittle that surrounds the mouthpiece of the flute unheard yet felt a gathered and and then the last verse is kind of like the you know putting it all together but that's definitely the 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 worst part of the song it's still good but it's not as good as the first two parts um i what i find really funny is on genius there's a um there's an annotation that's unreviewed where he's for the line shatter your algebra with calculus and like whoever contributed this line was like totally just being super catty and mean about this line. He says gift of gab compares the rap to others of others to algebra and that of himself to calculus. He probably bases this line on the assumption that calculus is more complex and advanced uh, than algebra, so that demonstrates that his rap is more advanced. Ironically, well, it's certainly true that calculus is a newer branch of match- <laughs> mathematics. Claiming that calculus is more advanced than algebra mostly shows a lack of understanding of modern algebra. Moreover, calculus wouldn't exist without. Okay, man. Th- these are okay. the people who are on genius doing annotations. Yeah. Okay, man. Sure. 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 Uh, but yeah, great track. I mean, the. Um, the the first the first section kind of kind of you know is a shorter section it bl- it, it it has a heavier like 
drums. It has a the it actually sounds a little bit like California of yeah. Um and then the the second part which takes up a lot of the track is Saul Williams which is just so you know good. this huge uh, a huge uh symphony of words. Yeah, so, uh, that's a good way of putting it. There's something it's it's dense and musical. Uh, but also the the music under it kind of slowly builds. It has this line repeating this like do 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 do. You know, it really feels like it's building to something like immense. It's an it's there's an epic scope to it, for sure. But then the third section, which is still good, is like doesn't quite feel like it meets that the 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 first two was a benevolent medicine man reverend pedal and deliverance that resemble amphetamines too the residents in the meadow were pestilence who developed a chemical dependence on pessimism now is he is or is he ain't the most distinctive speaker seeping through your sleepy speakers yes he is oh yes indeed so distinguished so clean some people think he's out in the field ain't no secret people trust me it's mostly hustling it moves me upstream I just focus on the guns yeah, I could see that. I mean, to me, I guess I'm not seeing it as a, I, I rarely see it as like a narrative arc as much as like, oh, three great things together. <laughs> um, yeah. Like I would agree that just, Saul Williams is the best part of it. Um, I, I think the lyrics born section um, it, where, you know, is probably my least favorite Um Part and I think part of it is just where it is in the song. He doesn't like match the amount of intensity. Of course, the gift of gab comes back in. He he um, doesn't match the amount of intensity. I do really like the production on that section, though. Yeah, it has the but da 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 yeah. It does it does try to like match the intensity a little bit, but it just doesn't feel like as open and 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 epic as you know the the second part. Yeah, um, for sure. The, the, the line with, with both of them, they say, motivate, accelerate, never wait, know your weight, throw away hate. Like, sure. I don't know. It works, but it, it's not my favorite part of the song. Valid. I love it. Uh, and then we have the the last song, which the, with the interpolation of "You Make Me Want to Shout" yeah. in it. You, I day one is fine. It I, it feels like a come down. Yeah, it is a come down. I I actually like it. Um, there there's a the the classic um, classic preachy line: "Stay away from monetary gain, temptation. Feel your inner soul's vibration." Again, like I mean, I agree with that sentiment. It just For sure. there's a lot of hip hop that that you know of of the conscious category that had that kind of stuff. So, you know, you might be put off by that, um, or you might find it you know Inspiring. comforting. Yeah. Um, um, and the production is yeah. so good. I get I th- again. I think this the last half of the album is really a showcase for Chief Excel in a lot of ways. I like the hook. The days turn to nights. Yeah, it reveals itself. True light back at home. Yeah. Um, the make me want to shout thing is fine. It feels. I can't not associate that song with like bar mitzvahs you know (laughs) yeah i could see it it is a little it's a little corny but which is not um, the song's fault it's it's the fault of jewish culture um (laughs) and and i take we take full responsibility for that 
Yeah, I guess I associate it more with like kitschy roller rinks or something like same, that. Same that's difference. The, yeah, that's the that's the the Gentile ver- version. Uh, <laughs> but you know, but, it's funny going through the album because like to talk about each song individually, I'm probably not as glowing about that as I feel about the album as a whole. But it's because a lot like Geo Gaddy, like I only listen to the album as a whole. Mm. Um, and that experience is one that I, I treasure quite a bit. Although I guess I, uh, yeah, I could definitely see how it can get exhausting. It's too long for me to where I, I just tend to want to listen to specific tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, cause there uh, enough. Of the tracks are different enough from each other that like, if I'm in the mood for, you know, make you feel that way or blazing arrow or brainwashers or, you know, release, I can just listen to that song, you know? For sure. And um, I, I found it a little bit of an ordeal to try to listen to this whole album in one go. I think I only did that a few times, to be honest. I much more often listen to, like, sections of the album. Oh, man. My whole week was uh, just going on a long bike ride and listening to the entire album. I, I you know, there, I, I get it. There are very, there may be, like, a handful of, like, over 70 minute albums that I'm into. It's like this and lonesome crowded West, but, Mm. um, another album that I want to cut 20 minutes out of. Yeah. Listen, I get it. Um, you just, I think, I think, uh, you know, it's as much a part of my relationship with the album and history with it as it is the album's own quality. But yeah, that's blazing arrow. Um, really, kind of seemed like the highlight of Blackalish's career. Uh, hopefully more people. I mean, I certainly saw people talking about it when Gift of Gab died, but I, they, they never had the penetration of somebody like, you know, it didn't have the same effect as like um, MF Doom dying. No. Um, no, or, or but, even uh, like Five Dog. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that, I don't know, even the, the guy who wrote, th- this article in Stereo Gum is honestly really good by Tom Mm-hmm. Brihan, Brihan, um, because it's not like I don't know. The funny thing to me is like, for how much hip hop is sort of everywhere in popular music now, and it's it's written about like much more now. That wasn't necessarily the case even twenty years ago. No, it um, it, it was weird to see. Like it was just starting to happen that indie, mu- you know, music magazines were really getting into this. You know, like Rolling Stone would talk about Public Enemy and like Snoop Dogg and shit, but it wasn't like it is now, right? Where it's... No, it's not It's not covered to the extent, like, in to, to the extent of like, you know, certain indie rock groups were. Right. Because um, indie rock some, is something that always had more of a hold on like a certain type of critic, you know, for a long time. For a long, but, long time, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. So it it was actually kind of hard to find info. Like this this article was really helpful because it it kind of summarized a lot of things. Um, and that I actually information I couldn't easily find elsewhere, which was not necessarily the case with some of the indie rock bands that we talked about. So, uh, so definitely give that uh that that uh article out the twentieth anniversary article in Stereo Gum. Yeah, I learned uh, I learned a, a look. I learned a lot. It, you know, Blacklicious is one of those albums. Is one of those bands, and, and Blazing Arrow is one of those albums that. Yeah, I never really looked into them all that much. Like I just liked the album, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so well, I, even, I learned a lot. 
even the guy who wrote this article said he sort of took them for granted and didn't think about them. Right. You know, until until uh, the gift of Gav died. So I don't know. It's kind of sad. Um, well, it's more than kind of sad. It's, to be it's very but, sad. Um, it's very sad. I hope more people appreciate this album. It's not without its flaws. It's not without its, uh, you know, things that embody the era. I certainly would have loved to cut 20 minutes off of this thing. Yeah. But, but, um, but it is I, like, I don't know. I think it is a joyful album and like a, in, a, in a way that I think is rare. You know, I can think of like, what are the great joyful albums? You know, it's like Midnight Marauders, Three Feet High and Rising. Uh, blazing arrow um like there is so much energy and just like the sheer like elation of making music here um that is that's deeply infectious you know hearing hearing gift of gab whether you're into the lyrics or not you can hear gift of gab just like in love with the sounds he can make with his mouth um Mm -hmm. and that's like that's cool it's it's great to share in that it is like, it makes me wonder, I think these things go in cycles because in the 2010s, there was much more of a pushback to this era of hip hop. I mean, yeah. in this this article on um, uh, hot new hip hop, it talks about backpack rap. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess the issue came up because Kanye West recently said that he just pretended to be a backpack rapper and he was never into that music, which sounds I don't correct. Know, every, <laughs> <laughs> yeah the the dude is a hall of mirrors though like trying to figure out like what he you know how much truth is behind every sort of i, I don't know it's it's like it's not worth it to some degree no. with kanye west no. for me but anyway um you did have artists like uh it mentions like uh it says it's also worth tyler man- creators oh sorry go on tyler the no, sorry, Tyler, the creator, said, I hate backpack rap, fuck immortal technique. And Childish Gambino in one of his songs, My Shine, said, fuck nerdcore, fuck backpack, fuck, fuck rap cool, I make cool rap. But yeah, there's a, I, think, I think some of that pushback comes from this idea that maybe some of it is a little bit um, too preachy or, you know, I, respectability I th- politics. But I, or, I think there was a, the nerd stuff, like, I think there was a feeling of, like, you know, like specifically like white hip nerdy critics are like getting really like into rap at this moment, like this sort of like gentrification of indie rap where like um, you would, you know, hipsters and polo shirts start showing up at clip shows because true you know, of all these things. Like I could, I understand the reaction, you know, there's just, those people were going to public enemy concerts too, though, you know, well, yeah, a different kind, but yeah. And they have been a decade away more or less. And like, so there's a schoolboy Q interview where he's talking about Blank Face and like, you know, Blank Face was an album that like got huge, like rave critical reviews and commercially bombed. And in the interview, they're talking about like, but aren't you happy about the reviews? And like, he's like, no, no, nerds write that shit. And I didn't make it for nerds. And there is a sense that like, while the artists are, the artists of the era, this era are creating some of the most like, vital and interesting and experimental hip-hop at least that i've ever been into um that the audience i think the audience gives it a bad reputation um i yeah i I mean i think the audience and the culture around it gives it this era this this feeling of like oh this is when the white hipsters glommed on to hip-hop and it was this kind of hip-hop that they glommed on to you know they weren't getting really into like 
uh, ludicrous they were getting into mm. Blackalicious. Well, the thing is, like, there's no way to escape that because, like, I I don't know, like, even in like you know, like, even the heaviest gangster rap stuff is incredibly popular with like white kids in the suburbs. Oh, sure, for sure. Um, it's I, I, I don't think it's I, just I, that I, the audience is white. I think it's the kind of white. Like, yeah, I can I can see that. I I think it's also funny because like, you know, those are the same types of people who later would write about Tyler, the creator or childish Gambino. So, Oh, absolutely. You know. Like, you know, there's no, uh, uh, you know, they can respond to it like that all they want. And it's still, you know, the Fantano heads are going to love them. Like it's, it hasn't stopped. Um, and I, you know, yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, uh, like from the extent that I am exposed to it, like so much hip hop discourse <laughs> reminds me of like indie rock and rock discourse in that it's like, well, one, it heavily skews male, obviously. Yes. Different contexts, different groups, obviously. But um, it's obsessed with authenticity and this idea of authenticity. And, like, the problem is, like, I and I think more people have sort of realized this, that, like, you know, at the end of the day, pretty much everything is an image everything about how you present yourself is an image in one way or another. If you present yourself as a normal person, you know, with doing normal person things or like this hardcore, you know, person or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I don't know. It, it just makes me wonder, like maybe, maybe some of this like nerdcore stuff will come back into, into Vogue at some point because these things always come in waves w- like I, everything else I would does. argue it's already starting. I mean, you get like a lot of like what's being called abstract hip hop now would be considered like yeah the indie hip hop at the time, you know, your Billy Woods um, projects and, and what, what have you. Um, I mean, I, I guess I think about like clipping or uh, even like some of the... Yeah, clipping is a good example like, for sure. Like even even article or articles, even artists like uh like JPEG Mafia kind of has a similar appeal. Or of Brockhampton, like, Brockhampton would have been like. Oh yeah, that. yeah. Except they disbanded, but yes, um, but still, they had all this, all this crazy drama. But um, yeah, no, I I think so. I I mean, I think there's a there's definitely comparisons to be made. Like I definitely think of things like anti-con or whatever when i think of people talking about like jpeg mafia and things like that so yeah exactly like it's not like it went away um but i think there was a cultural moment around it that was being reacted to by the like nastiness of odd future or um the uh, i mean i think uh childish cambino trying to be like oh no that's for nerds is kind of wild considering yeah i i don't know maybe it's because he has transphobia in his fucking show that everyone loves but oh, Atlanta. Uh, uh, i i have mixed feelings about the guy uh, i haven't watched it anyway whatever everybody's transphobic not everybody but a lot of people are and i hate it um there's there's one episode in particular that Eh, anyway, I don't want to get into it, but but this yeah. album's great. This album, this is album great is not and, transphobic, and even a little bit. Not transphobic. Gift of Gab seems like a nice guy. It's not even, not really sexist. Not really anything. Like, no, the worst thing about it know. is when he's talking about getting in your anatomy, and even that's yeah, uh, and that's that's he's trying to infiltrate your mind. Right, that's more cyberpunk so, than anything. So where would you? Where does this rank? Where does yeah. this rank? Yeah. Um, 
I know where it ranks for me. Um, okay, so my rankings right now, I'll just read through them because I have them written down here. We wrote both of them down. Uh, at the Going from the top to the bottom, I have Tori Amos, Boards of Canada, uh, Broken Social Scene, You Forgot It in People, and then Tide, I have Wilco and the Shins. Mm-hmm. Uh, then below that, Interpol, Liz Fair, and 12 Rods. So I think... If this album were a little shorter, I would put it a little higher, but I'm going to put it between Interpol and uh, above Interpol and below like the tie of Wilco and the Shins. Again, if it were like uh, 20 minutes shorter, I might have moved it up a little bit. But uh, but yeah, so it's kind of right in the middle of my list. So uh, for me, it's lower than I would like to put it, but it's because so many of the albums in this list are like really important to me also yeah. so it's hard to rank but right now my yeah. list with black alicious is interpol uh or yeah turn on the bright lights by interpol little earthquakes by tori amos yankee hotel foxtrot by wilco geo gaddy by boards of canada black blazing arrow by black alicious and then uh broken social scene liz fair uh the shins and 12 rods okay so that's still pretty high it's high but it's it's like any album that's like been with me this long i would usually like to rank higher but it's being put up against a bunch of other albums that have been with me a long time. Yeah. What I would say about this album, I wouldn't call it an unequivocal 10 out of 10 masterpiece, but it is a really good album and, you know, at times approaches that territory. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I still think it's a masterpiece. Anyways, what are we doing next time? (laughs) Uh, So next time, speaking of utopian artists, uh, and this is going to be a really complicated uh, <laughs> episode for me to talk about because we're talking about Vespertine by Bjork. I um, can't wait. I So I was a big, like, big Bjork fan uh, to the point where I think I've sort of had a little bit of a break with her music. So it's going to be a little hard because... I had the sort of fandom, the sort of fandom that people will have for certain pop stars. Um, Bjork is like one of the only artists that I had that level of fandom for. Um, she was like my most listened to artist on Last FM. I was obsessed with her. I saw her twice in concert. Very expensive shows. I can imagine. Um, so, and I've heard many anecdotes about her uh, living in New York and people who have worked with her that are not necessarily always flattering. <laughs> um, so, uh, well, we can get into that. Um, I mean, a lot of them just involve her being on copious amounts of drugs and uh, things like that in public. I mean, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, we can get to that. I want to read before we go because I forgot to read this. Um, my friend Andrew Toops, who messaged me about the Shins episode, also messaged about 12 Rods. Uh, he said, I'm listening to y'all's episode about 12 Rods, and I have to confess that I discovered them five years ago, and I love them. And Gay is easily their worst album. Their f- the follow-up Split Personalities is actually really good IMO, although Ryan Alcott never stopped writing cringy lyrics. A better version of Make Out Music is on that record and still has the nanny nanny boo boo lyric in it. <sighs> Um, anyway, this is the song that got me into them. I don't know if you'd change your mind about them, but I love it. He links a song called the stupidest boy from split personalities. 
says the last album their last album is really good too i still think they're criminally overlooked probably because the pitchfork 10.0 review of their album will easily leave the worst possible impression that's fair i'm still i of the songs that i heard from split personalities i'm still not a huge fan i yeah i'd have to revisit it because it's it's been um it felt like it was cursory research at the time like i spent more time listening to 12 rods yeah or but not, anyway yeah. you can email us you can email us at uh kitchforkpodcast at gmail.com um oh god there's another question here okay this is a short one so i can read it yeah uh, um this is from mother panic uh Hey, I've been listening to your podcast at work, and it's really neat to hear about these bands, scenes, and internet cultures that existed primarily before I was even born. 2003. All right, we're getting the Zoomer crowd in <laughs> Hell here. yeah. Uh, I've grown up in a shitty small-ass town where the only musician who isn't a member of a local polka band is a metalhead who doesn't like chords, and I'll soon be moving in with my boyfriend to a city that at least has something of a music scene. Is there anything I should know about interacting with local DIY scenes, particularly the best way to go about recruiting people for a band, if there's a best way? Cheers, thanks, and have a good day. Keep up the good work, et cetera, et cetera. You'd probably be a better answer to this. Okay. So my my the way I've always like done that is there's there's two ways. Um the if you can perform live alone start doing that at DIY shows and people will come up to you generally and be like, whoa, that was good. And you can talk to them like if they're a musician. Like most of the musicians who joined Noiseland recently, it was because we played a show with them or whatever. And they were like, hey, you don't have a guitarist or a drummer. Would you like one? Um, now, if you don't have that, then the best way to do is still just go to DIY shows and just talk to people. Like you can be on the other side of that, be like, um, hey, you, you know, that was really cool. You're amazing bassist. Like, would you want to play together sometime? Um, the the easiest way to get involved is to just go to shows. Um, like, I know there are boards, like Chicago, Chicago DIY or whatever. They're usually not good and filled with bad things uh, and bad people. Um, going to shows, though, is a good way to, like, you start meeting the people who are regulars there. You start seeing like what people can do. And like a lot of people in the DIY scene are going to be other musicians anyways. Um, so that would be my advice for recruiting uh, other musicians. Great. I am not helpful at all because I am of the boards of Canada school <laughs> of complete fucking hermetically sealed uh don't interact with other people about my music, which is not maybe a good strategy, but, uh, you know, to each their own. People I have, I have um, incredible performance anxiety when it comes to music. So which is, I think it comes from that. Which is super valid. I think, um, you could always wear um, a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could, I could go in costume. Um, the last comment, this is from Derek, who uh, who had the Boards of Canada comment. Uh, he just says, the Blackalicious episode is going to be fun. That's a cool album that I actually only heard for the first time in 2019 with a, when a music nerd friend of mine turned me on to it. Your co-host is right that uh, 2000s indie hip-hop scene was really cool. I still like backpacker stuff, and I am not ashamed. Nor should you be. <laughs> Nor should you be. It was I, good. For, for all we know, yeah, for all we know, this stuff is coming back into vogue anyway. Yeah, um, I, yeah. I, I'm always bummed that like the bad, 
the bad uh, reputation that era has because it's literally one of the most interesting eras in hip hop. Yeah. Um, well, outside of certain artists who are still extremely beloved, regardless of you know, yeah, obviously MF Doom like Black Eyed Peas. Dylan. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, God. infamous backpacker God group. <laughs> um, he says, if you all ever want to go back to that well again, Deltron Thirty Thirty to me is the pitchfork, the pitchfork approved indie yeah, rap album. Yeah, that of would the be 2000s. a lot of. I would love. So my the if I were to pick another indie rap album, I would want to do the Cold Vein by Cannibal Ox, but. I think I okay. think you're right that Deltron thirty thirty is closer to the um the kitchfork uh the kitchfork mission statement of examining like what hip hop was a big deal to pitchfork and indie culture. Cause that yeah, that and like Mad Villainy were like the big uh yeah. pitchfork albums. He says, uh I still think it's great. Oh, and Labor Days by Asa Brock probably fits too. So Yeah. Yeah. Uh I don't I don't remember Pitchfork's response to Ace of Brock. I read a lot about Ace of Brock and like Filter, which is, you know, the print version of Pitchfork more or less. So so I guess that tracks. Yeah, he also said that he enjoyed the the Boards of Canada episode, which we as of recording just put out a few days ago. I'm so um, glad. He said he said he he actually started to get a little creeped out the way that the album used to creep me out when I started listening to it. When we were talking about some of the samples, like the oh God with horns, or or I don't know mixed feelings. I still think about it. I still dream about them. <laughs> <laughs> samples. Anyway, it's a creepy album. Uh, I get it. Yeah, there are some creepy samples in there. Okay. Yeah, but again, you can email at us at kitchforkpodcast at gmail.com. I am excited to know that there are some younger people who are not a- alive during some of this era who are listening. Uh, yeah, uh, my, my friend Rosie is actually a Zoomer who's really into the show. Hi, Rosie. Um, and that, that Thank you for listening. Yes, thank you so much for listening to these old old women talk about their lost youth. Um, um, but yeah, uh, I've been Liz Ryerson. I've been Max Cohen. And I hope you enjoyed us giving you your soul back. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's time for our wrap up. Let's give it everything we've got. Ready? Begin. Artificial amateurs aren't it all amazing Analytically I assault animate things Broken barriers bounded by the bomb beat Buildings are broken basically I'm bombarding Casually create catastrophes Casualties canceling cats got the canopies collapsing